Can you hear me? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me calling you? Can you hear me? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me calling you? All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is August 19th, 2020. And there is so much to cover. Um, we have a lot of uh, things happening across the world, uh, going from, you know, the tensions between Greece and Turkey. Pompeo had actually gone out and spoken with Greece in regards to this. Uh, it's just escalating. I mean, we we talked about this. <laughs> We've been talking about this for a few years now. So it was inevitable. And if you remember, I told you it's because of all um, the things that are inside our, um, uh, I would say, in this military industrial complex. Let's just put it that way to make it simple. And uh, the fight is for these six miles of uh, waters because unbeknownst to many, there are many natural resources there. So we we have to cover that. We have to talk about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez nominating Bernie Sanders for president because we've... <laughs> We're expecting a whole it, it I said that it was going to be a roller coaster. Labor Day is around the corner, you guys. So it'll be sorted, right? And like I said, everything's going to change by um uh everything's going to be great by February 2021. Uh most people will be eliminated. There will be indictments rolling in. Now, if Barr doesn't deliver, the president said, you know, it's up to him. If he's going to go down in history, right? He said that. So we're going to be discussing all of these things along with other, you know, events that are happening. Um, I'm really glad that, uh, uh, again, just reinforcing, I was, I was, I was uh, very impressed um, uh, with the cordialness of, you know, USA Today, obviously talking about Shadowgate, even though if you actually read the article, they didn't debunk anything. Um, there are so many different rumors, which is so incredible. Can you see that IIA? Like people are claiming, you know, Patrick Berge and Tori have uh, never worked for the NSA and we can confirm it. No one ever made that statement. So I don't know where they're getting all this. Uh, so now there's like civil suits that we're pursuing. Uh, it, it's just um, pure insanity. Uh, but it, it's great. I mean, at the end, you know, uh, truth comes forward. huh? Uh, but Patrick needs to lay off uh, a little bit because he's coming in really strong. Uh, and then... Uh, that's not the way you do things because we do not need division right now. We need no division. We need to focus. We need to focus on these elections. That is what we need to be doing. We do not need division. I, I Didn't I say it weeks ago? Hey, I could sit here and give you a list of names. I can do this, but that's not the point. We don't need that right now. All you need to be doing is focusing on the elections. That is all we need to be doing at the moment is focusing on the elections Focusing on the fact that this coup, this coup um, is just full blown right now. Uh, this morning, Clearforce had taken down uh, their web page with their board of directors because it would show uh, that indeed things that were made um, public during this video, like I said, if you rewatch it, was that, you know, during the Equifax hack, you know, the, the, the board member was part of Equifax. You're seeing it all 
come to fruition. They took it down. So all of these things are happening and obviously they're making moves because they've been caught and now and not caught. Everything was always up out on the open, you know, it was open. It was all public record. But the thing is, that's how, how, how they do it. They hide in plain sight while they hijack everything. Remember these uh, companies are companies that work together. Uh, we've had these conversations uh, before how contractors work for the government and they take away from the government. You know, they start to be the government and that's not how it's supposed to be. We have to be focusing on the facts and findings. We need to be focusing on the election. We cannot have division. I am so upset that the IIA that I predicted and that, that I preemptively warned you about, which is, you know, this division thing. I warned you about it. I said, we don't need division right now. We need to focus. Here it is, you know? So so that's the thing. It's just the tip of the iceberg um, that they're seeing. Uh it's it's just incredible to 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 see them you know like like roaches running around uh you know to try to find a way uh to uh, you know debunk but they didn't debunk because everything is there uh so this is the operation imagine how huge it is right how huge it is if all these people are siding with the left now and they're trying to make it a conspiracy imagine how huge it is because when you see conservatives siding with the left that tells you all i need to all you need to know and that's the thing it, you can see it and this is how imagine so you're seeing it live because i've prepared you you were ready for this right you're seeing live how they hijack people's reality and how they skew the narrative. But now you're starting to see this is exactly the type of deployment they had on our president for the past almost, you know, what, five years? From 2014, they started this, okay? So let's say 2015, where it was public eye after he came down the escalator. So he was attacked in the same way by the global media, right? By the global media. So this is a problem. You know, it is a very big problem. Uh, I've been telling you how they're deploying uh, Chinese social credit scores, right? I've written about it. And, my, and, I, and I think that the data of my website and my emails were actually stolen. So this is a big problem too. <laughs> but in there, I have all this information uh, in those articles where they are deploying these social credit scores, uh, the way that they are implementing it. And again, it's the same companies that are doing these. I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty much there. So hopefully through different modes of communications, either that be Facebook, Twitter, the Chan boards, Kun boards, YouTube, you've been advised of just how insanely embedded uh, these operations are and how, um, you know, people around the world have been manipulated by such things. And, you know, now I see a switch ever since that documentary kind of percolated and was spread and obviously banned globally. Like no one's asking, why is it banned? What did it say that was wrong? Tell me what it said that was wrong. Nothing. Everything was confirmed with public record. Nothing is missing. So think, why is it that they have done that. 
Why is it that they have, you know, banned it? Because I urge anybody that watches it to go and find these things because we put them there. It's all public record. The only thing that you can't confirm, and like I told uh, USA Today, is uh, confirming how I was listening to everything. And I'd be more than happy to tell Congress that um, and give them information they can verify. This is the way it is. And this is extremely painful for all of them because they've been exposed. This is where their pants fell down and they had, they can't do anything about it. They can't, they can't hide it. It's there. And now I see that the right, the conservative media has toned down, um, you know, their narrative, I think their narrative has been toned down for this reason. So, um, I think we need to start with, um, uh, a few things from the DNC. Uh, that was pretty fun to watch. No, it was not. It was all pre-recorded. So, uh, first, I want to start with the Postal Service. This was a great report on what you need to ne know about the Postal Service. Um, and, uh, you know, so we can analyze this because we, I want to start with local stuff before we get into our more worldwide um, information and news. So here we go with a report on what you need to know about the Postal Service. Oops. Here we go. States Postal Service. Number one. President Trump is not sabotaging the post office to undermine mail-in voting and steal the election. Joe Biden claims President Trump is purposely removing mailboxes to make it harder for people to mail in their ballots. In fact, Biden said at a virtual fundraiser, quote, they're going around literally with tractor trailers picking up mailboxes, end quote. This is the photo that Biden referenced that went viral on social media, but the claim he makes is false. It's actually a conspiracy theory. The truth is the United States Postal Service is simply replacing old mailboxes with new ones, which is part of their normal routine. The USPS themselves confirmed it. It's as simple as that. Number two, it is true that the USPS has been in financial crisis for years. They've been operating a net loss for over a decade, thanks to their own mismanagement. In 2019, the post office lost $8.8 billion. And that was the 13th year in a row the post office operated at a loss. Number three, but this is very important, the post office will not be insolvent until August of 2021, which means the Postal Service will not shut down before the November 2020 elections. Let me repeat, pre-existing financial issues will not prevent the USPS from supporting the presidential election, period. Number four, the United States Treasury, by the way, has offered the U.S. Postal Service $10 billion in loans this year if they need it to continue their formal operations. Funny how Democrats don't mention that. Number five, by the way, the U.S. Constitution permits but does not require the establishment of a postal service in the first place. Number six, the U.S. Postal Service is supposed to be financially self-reliant. It's not supposed to be dependent on Congress for funding, but due to poor financial decisions by both political parties, the USPS has operated at a net loss for years. That brings us to number seven. The biggest problem with universal mail-in voting at the post office is the post office shipping time is incongruent with many states' mail-in voting deadlines. For example, if you request a ballot just four days before the election, which is allowed in some states, the U.S. Postal Service cannot guarantee that you receive it, fill it out, mail it back, and it's received and tallied in time to count for the elections. 
In other words, the real concern is that the U.S. Postal Service cannot handle universal mail-in voting. Look at what happened in New York. 25% of mail-in ballots in Brooklyn in New York's June primary were invalidated. Almost 20,000 mail-in ballots in the state of New York did not have postmarks, but were counted anyway, despite their questionable validity. Throwing a ton of money at the post office at the last second isn't going to change that problem. Finally, remember the premise on which this whole narrative was built. Democrats claim that it's not safe to vote in person because of COVID-19, so we need universal mail-in voting, they tell us. But that's false, too. According to studies, after the Wisconsin elections in April, where 300,000 people voted in person in the middle of the pandemic, there was no spike in COVID-19 cases. None. Even Dr. Fauci says there should be no fear for people to go out and vote in person. The Democrats are just trying to scare you into giving more money to the post office without any meaningful reform because they want universal mail-in voting for political reasons and they're peddling a conspiracy theory to try to make it happen. So that's exactly what's up. They are literally peddling a conspiracy theory um, to you know, sway away from the facts. This is it. You know, she put it out so well, this conspiracy theory of these, you know, the mail-in, this is the only way they can steal. I mean, we could go shopping to Walmart, but we can't vote. We can protest, but we can't vote. Are we kidding? So do the masks work or don't they? That's the question everyone should be asking themselves. Do the masks work? Like, how is it, how is it that, they're going with this with nothing working. I mean, I'm just saying like if, if, if you're saying that it's not safe to vote, then we shouldn't what? We shouldn't be protesting. We shouldn't be shopping. We shouldn't be doing anything like that. So that's pretty interesting, right? It's, it's very, very in, interesting. So I, I wanted to just clarify that that was the best way rather than chatting and, you know, um, putting it out there, how insane their ideas are and what they're saying too, which is incredible. So we need to remember who this, you know, who these people are, what the Democrats are and, you know, we're going to see a few things that Joe Biden has said in the past in regards to uh, foreign relations. And that'll tie into our Turkey-Greece segment where war is on on the cusp. I mean, it's actually happening. Um, but let's, let's take it back a bit. So they're pushing this conspiracy theory about the post office, right? Hard, like really hard. And they're pushing for mail-in voting, because they don't want you going in person because they, they think everyone who's a minority is too dumb to have identification because none of them supposedly what have bank accounts. None of them had what? Nothing. That's really crazy. That is pure insanity. They're, 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 they're pushing this again because they've lost the elections period. They know they've lost. There's nothing that can help them. Now, I want to move on uh, in our recent news. Obviously, right now we have a fire burning in Texas at a plastics plant. That's curious. Um, very, very curious. And um, I thought that we would um, uh, pretty much review what my favorite uh, host on Fox had to say in regards to what 
the sentiment of the DNC platform is, first of all, it's uh, anti-police, anti-capitalism, anti-anything American, right? Anti-everything, anti-everything. So they're anti-anything American. They want to make this nation Venezuela. Speaking of anti-everything, Laura Loomer won, okay, her primary, like I said she would, and she's going to win. She's coming into Congress. She is not owned by anyone. She will not back down with any things. And like she said, there are going to be so many things put out about her, so many lies. And I've seen many people that follow me or listen to Tori Says Show that, you know, perpetuate these things because unfortunately we are so... um so indoctrinated into just assuming because everyone's saying it or because this group of people are saying it that it's true that we can't discern discern fact from fiction but you have to understand that people with big platforms or that have trolley forms you know they they do have a listening base because uh, this goes back to the statement that the internet you know for some reason gives people the impression impression because it's not anonymous that they are anonymous and they can say whatever they want do whatever they want post whatever they want and claim free speech and you know obviously nobody's got time for that i've been trolled so many times people posting things so many times and it's like you know, I even had a picture of me, uh, which I can't ex- say what was going on there in a utility suit sitting somewhere in the Middle East, uh, you know, making a phone call, sneaking a phone call um, and, you know, someone saying, oh, this well, you see me in a tank like. And then they're like, oh, but it was, yeah, so you're now going into a classified situation because you don't understand what happened. Actually, that day, um, I, I I met Dean Kane because he arrived to see soldiers, and I was in the area. So this is, this is what's crazy, right? That people are putting pieces and creating narratives, right? But they don't seem to realize that you're not anonymous. You were never anonymous. Facebook was created by the government, you know, uh, you know, Twitter was invaded by the government. DARPA has dumped so much money into Twitter. It's ridiculous. Every single platform is with it. I mean, even Twitch is, 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 is owned by the government per se, per se, not really, because, you know, we use Amazon, right? They got a big fat contract. I mean, all of them have contracts with the government and you're not anonymous, You're not anonymous. And, you know, when you cause harm to people, you can, if people want to, go forward with it. And they can. And the thing is, this false feeling of anonymity allows people to show their true colors, true colors of, um, you know, how evil they are and how willingly they fall into these things. That's the thing. You know, people don't seem to understand that they have this false sense of anonymity uh, and they do whatever they want. And that's the problem. So, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 what you do, I've, I, I think I mentioned this on um, one of my New Year's episodes, that your AI profile is considered more bona fide than you are. And remember, your AI profile includes uh, your... Uh, your searches, your emails, your social media. And remember, not all of that is controlled by you. 
Okay. Uh, not all of that is controlled by you. It could be contributions. You could be sharing with your friend. You know, how many of you have had that drunk friend take your phone and send a text, right? This is, or your family members. Some people share accounts with their spouses or their kids have access to it. You know, these are, you know, like my, my, my YouTube, that's not the Tory says one, but my personal one, my kids watch everything from classes to cartoons that totally messes up the AI, but they, then they create more programs to parse through when it's being used by other people. You know, th this is how smart algorithms work. Your AI profile supposedly is better than whatever is, you know, is, is more important than you. And if you read an article about Samsung talking about 6G, uh, they talk about this duplicity. And we've spoken about duplicity before where your AI profile is separate from the real you. And this is going to cause problems down the line for those of you that are in that migratory period. See, children born after what, 2005, 2010, I would say, are born in the digital age. So everything is digital, how they socialize, how they, you know, go to school, how they order food, right? Everything's digital and instant. And it's all about instant gratification. And it's dangerous because if you actually search patents, they have already gotten a patent and already started to create AIs to represent actors, athletes. Soon, you know, the FIFA games that we play on Xbox, which by the way, the last one, the 2021 was super bad. I didn't like it because I love playing uh, FIFA on Xbox. But, um, you know, and the NBA games, that's exactly what you're going to be seeing. They're not even going to be real anymore. They're not even going to be real anymore. They're going to be digital personas, kind of like fantasy football on steroids. You're really going to think that they're real people because what they're going to be doing is they're going to be hiring, uh, you know, snagging some young athlete from high school that can play and then, you know, hide them in a basement and create this digital version. So everything will be fixed. So you can't even like place bets or be excited about things. It's all fake. It's going to be all fake, but see, you're being trained for that already because even on the internet, uh, you know, you're starting to create camps based on your ideology. So I just roughly saying there's like a woman camp, a man camp, right? Like sides, right? Uh, Republicans, cons uh, you know, Democrats, which shouldn't be the case because we're not, not, none of those parties represent conservative values. Obviously we do have our uh, commander in chief under the Republican flag. So we follow him there, but you have to understand they've already started to segregate the population under ideologies. So this um, split, this duplicity, and I urge you to read that article by Samsung talking about 6G. You can Google it. You'll understand just how they're doing it. They're creating these AI personas. And imagine when you have troll farms, like the same troll farms DARPA used, right? And and and, and I put that in, a, in an article ooh, back in the day. I, I want to say 2018 or 2019. It was when Laura Loomer actually went to Congress and called Jack Dorsey out. But I mentioned to you how DARPA had thrown a lot of money into Twitter uh, to manipulate the conversation regarding Bradley Manning slash Chelsea Manning, right? They actually got in there and they had troll armies, you know, responding and driving the conversation to how they want it. That was like their experiment to see how they can 
put people on one side and the other. Uh, it's all documented and um, it's all out there. And so think, think this psyop right now that you're seeing, right, that you've seen come come at people you know, uh, how, how would that go going forward? Like they cancel people, they destroy people. You, I mean, you've seen it. The whole cancel. They they canceled Laura. They canceled Milo. McGinn, they canceled everybody. And we've allowed it to happen because you've been convinced that they had extreme notions. You saw snippets of what they're doing. But I'm sure a lot of you that didn't like Laura Loomer yesterday before her speech love her after her speech because now you're seeing her with other eyes. The things that she did to provoke and bring conversation were incredible. She had, she had really big drive and this is what everyone needs to be doing. And like Ivanka said, yes, it's the evil technocracy society. And this is what we are seeing. And the more we allow it to ensue, the more we lose control. And I've always said, it's all about unity. They try to split and split and split because without unity, you are weak. And that is how they are going to it. Remember, AI personas can be real or fake. I mean, there were so many, I remember when my Twitter was banned, there were so many fake Twitter accounts that came out. Remember when Laura was banned, how many Laura Loomer accounts came out? And people were like, this is, you know, the, the account. How many Liz Crokin accounts came out when they canceled her because she was talking about, you know, child sex trafficking rings? Like how, yeah, this is, this is how it goes. They tag team, they discredit, people lose their jobs, people lose their livelihood, and they talk as if they can't be held accountable. See, we're not in that age where, where AI is more important than facts. And that's the thing. You know, cancel culture is not supposed to be happening. And 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 this is it. This this is the way it is. So um, I'm going to continue just so you can see the insanity, the push. The DNC has this anti-police sentiment. Now, if you looked at the documentary Shadowgate, you would see at the end that the whole point of it was these documents, and you can find them, the Atlantic Council put together with Interpol to push the police system into a more drone-monitored, robot-monitored policing. So that way we would have drones flying around and being the police 24-7. Uh, which means zero, uh, you know, zero human aspects. So, for example, uh, you and me are walking down the street. I want a lighter, right? Because I want to smoke a cigarette. So I put my hand in your backpack and take a lighter. And I sneak it and then I put it in my pocket. You're my friend. No big deal. I mean, how many of you who are smokers steal the other person's lighter? You just do it out of habit, not because you want to steal it, right? Because it happens all the time. So a, ro a robot or a drone sees that and then you're arrested for stealing somebody's lighter. I'm, this is just like a wild example, but I'm trying to make it, you know, so you understand. 
This is a big problem. The social credit scores using drones for policing rather than human beings, because there's always a human element. AI policing is the target here. There are papers out there. And at the end of the, the documentary of Shadowgate, you will see where it's discussed. This is the point of all this AI deployment and the deployment of Shadownet, these weapons used against the people. They are used for control. See, um, I think that Bergie had like an interview where he talked about, you know, how, you know, you use these um, reality hacking programs, these psyops to avoid war. You know, you hijack their reality to do it. And he made it sound like it's a good thing. Now, anyone who's a general or a soldier would prefer that if you can subdue a war that you should use it. I'm totally against that. I don't believe that we should be hacking anybody's reality at all. And unfortunately, we have this mob mentality as humans that, you know, that is a human thing where they mob mentality um, <clears throat> and to have software that can help manipulate it is insane. And so think of a time, think, imagine walking down the street and having drones patrolling and it's a computer. It thinks in ones and zeros. So you and me are walking down the street, we're laughing and whatever, and then you say something and I smack you across the face, right? Because we're at that level. You know how kids do that, right? Where you push each other and you just horse around. Let's pretend we're kids. And suddenly police come and arrest you for assault. <laughs> and you're like, no, we were just horsing around. We're like, you know, wrestling buddies. It's all ones and zeros. It cannot discern the difference of that human element. It's a computer. OK, no matter how much you train an algorithm, it's a computer. So the article that Samsung put out, uh, I don't remember what paper did it about 6G talks about this duplicity of your AI profile and your actual personal profile. And this is why this documentary is so important, because your AI personal profile can be manipulated, changed and eradicated in the digital age by weapons such as ShadowNet, which has been you know, changed and revamped over and over again. So, you know, when I tell you that you're part of, um, part of a movie, like a Truman show, it's an actual fact because you're participants of this software that's learning for you from you to it's learning habits, learning you so it can further respond to you. I mean, the minority report was not off. So can it be stopped? Yes. By dismantling, uh, using it on the people. But how can you do that when everyone is craving the digital age too? Everyone wants instant gratification. And the thing is, every human being has a very malicious side. I mean, look at the dogpiling that happens. Look at how people, you know, you could know someone for 10 years and because they see a bunch of bots talking, you know, about you, they'll just jump in with the bots and say, oh my God, you know, because you're easily swayed because you don't have a solid core because you're in the digital age. The instantaneous, you know, feeling that people get 
and of gratification is linked to their ability to manipulate your ability to see things clearly. This is why I like Tucker and other simple reports that are done like this because they cut out this instantaneous gratification and cut down to the core of what the you know the, what the core of a message is. So let's proceed with um, uh, Tucker's uh, report here, which is pretty nice. This is a Fox News alert, and we don't say that lightly. Day two of the Democratic National Convention begins tonight, featuring Bill Clinton and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Sandy will be monitoring it. We've taken a look at the Democrats' platform and found something interesting. They don't think it's safe for African-Americans to go outside. As the platform says, quote, it's unacceptable that millions of people in our country have good reason to fear they may lose their lives in a routine traffic stop or standing on a street corner while playing with a toy in a public park. It's scary. Is it true? Michelle Obama echoed this sentiment recently, in fact, last night. But again, is it rooted in reality? Jason Whitlock has been watching carefully. He writes for and is part owner of Outkick.com, which is excellent. We're happy to have him on tonight. Jason Whitlock, thanks so much for coming on. What do you make of this? You hear it a lot. I think that fear is a mechanism, a tool for control. Yeah. And the Democratic Party, the mainstream media are using fear to control people and to control African-Americans in particular. You cannot function properly if you live in an irrational fear. Again, for those of us that have religious faith, we understand that fear is the is the friend of evil and the reason you embrace faith is so that you can operate without fear and you can reach your highest potential. This is just an irrational fear. Uh, when they put that into the platform, when Michelle Obama echoes those thoughts, I I'm just like, what black communities have they actually lived in? Because that is not the fear that is pervasive throughout black communities. Fear of being stopped by the police and killed. The stats, the facts, the evidence don't back up this irrational fear. So why is someone trying to instill that fear in us of the police? It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you engage with the police filled with fear, you're more likely to make really bad decisions that then provoke them to take action. I, it, it's irresponsible what they're doing and what they're saying. I'd never thought of that part of it, but you're absolutely right. And you're absolutely right that fear makes every single human being irrational, me, you, everybody. So I wonder what the long-term consequences of this are, apart from the one you just mentioned. Like, what, what kind of scar does this leave on the country if you keep saying stuff like this? Look, the number one thing you can do to prevent someone from reaching their potential is convince them that they can't and to convince them that the whole country is rigged against them. Therefore, why even try? Give someone an excuse not to be successful. Give someone an excuse to behave improperly when dealing with the police is how you ensure failure. I was brought up my entire life to go out and attack the world and anything was a possibility. That was the hope that was put in me coming. I was born in 1967. My parents lived through the civil rights movement. Our, their goal, their hope for me and my brother, my stepsister and stepbrother, was for us to go out and conquer the world. 
we're now telling kids you can't conquer the world. And so if you're a black kid competing against Asian kids, white kids, Latino kids, and you've been convinced, oh, the whole system's rigged against you, you can't succeed. And the other kids you're competing with are out there, the world's on a platter for me. If I just go out and attack it and work hard, I'm going to be successful. You have less of a chance of competing against your peers if your attitude and mindset aren't right. Attitude controls outcome. And I, why the Democrats, I, I, this is just, I, I'm just sorry, it's pure evil. It's, it's borderline satanic. If you really have an understanding yep. of religious faith, the principles taught in the Bible, why Jesus died on the cross for us. If God's on your side, how can you fail? I just, it's sickening to me what this message and to see a major political party pump this message into the black community is really disheartening for me. So what he's saying is, you know, your, 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 um, how you feel, right? And how you look at things uh, promotes the outcome. The past proves the future and the future proves the past. That's how it is. This is why I've always said it's always about how you look at things and how you engage with things. This is the whole premise of reality hacking, which, you know, is coined IIA. I like to say reality hacking because it's a lot simpler for people that aren't in this. That's how I coined it when we started, you know, doing this in small groups, you know, to avoid, like you said, for me, it wasn't a thing only of war. It was all, you know, relations, relationships that the government has or how things are being done. So this is how people need to look into it. Okay. How this reality hacking is happening, why it's happening. They're trying to get you to the point of, uh, you know, control. And I've told you this before, you vibrate on a very low frequency, making you very easy to be hijacked when you're in fear, because none of us make good decisions when we're scared, when we're upset. I mean, how many of you make good decisions when you're pissed off? None of you do. Nobody does. I don't. That's for sure. Uh, you know, this is why I just, you know, try with self-control sometimes to step back and um, regroup. That's why people are like, breathe when you're upset before you say something. Breathe when you do this. You know, people need to be able to manage that more, that you need to sit and, and wait. But you, if you're vibrating on a low frequency, you react in the wrong way. If you respond to things with half-baked knowledge, right, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. You can say things that you can't unsay. And, you know, you're in, 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 in a lot of, <laughs> you're going to be caught in the middle of things. Many people that have worked for the clown agency, right? And I've never worked for the clown agency, never worked for the NSA, always said private contractor, which has all the data and all the information and all the access to all the other agencies. Let's make that clear, right? Private company with access to everything. That is a crime, that it even exists. Now, when I was told, you know, I'm working for my country, you know, obviously I'm just doing my job, <laughs> but because they have contractors, right? They all do. So this is how it works, you guys. This is how it works. They make you stay in a state of fear, confusion. Did I not tell you that it's going to be a roller coaster up until Labor Day? Super roller coaster until then. Look at what we're getting up and down, up and down, up and down, highs and lows, right? 
And you can see, I, I, I have preemptively primed you, my listeners and my readers to this coming from 2018. I told you 2020 is going to be insane. And now I'm telling you that the hard work, which is going to be a lot easier after February 2021, is going to come in to create a new party. You have to have faith in yourself and in your core. I've been saying this for a very long time, and I've also been saying division is not the way to go. You do not poop where you, you know, eat. Because even if someone is an asset, it doesn't mean that they can't stop being an asset. There, you have to have faith in humanity. You have to have faith that people will see uh, the truth. They will have that awakening moment because most of you can probably now see how they operate because you've been given the blueprint for it. You've understood it. You understand. You know, many people will say, well, advertisements, advertisements, for example, are um reality hacks. I mean, how many of you have watched TV and then a pizza comes on and they know it's at the right time, right? So you're like, oh, I'm hungry. Or how is it that, you know, you're, they know to put the infomercials at like 2, 3 a.m. because whoever's watching TV at that time is tired, uh, you know, drunk or susceptible and they'll just buy whatever's on there. It's because they know that you are resonating on a lower frequency and that is how they can take advantage of that opportunity. How many of you have seen pictures of kids from Biafra or Ethiopia on TV at three in the morning and you know that if you contribute a dollar, maybe a penny will go to them. The rest is going to go to the big fat cats that, you know, are sitting in some boardroom, like, you know, like how the president pointed out, you know, with Tennessee um, uh, um, uh, Valley Authority, $8 million a year. Like, what the heck? That's like way more than what the president gets. These are the fat cats. That's the thing. So um, the, the way... Uh, they 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 work is using these tools. They've been priming them and fine tuning them all along because it's called localization. You localize to the language, to to the culture, nuance, everything. And the DNC has found a platform where they're targeting those that resonate on a lower frequency, that believe in complete injustice is only to this. And they and you know what? And they're not wrong. No one's saying that there isn't any injustice. No one's saying that racism doesn't exist. Do not take that, you know, as something of fact, it happens because unfortunately we can't, you know, be in, uh, you know, everybody else's mind and how they grow. I've met a bonafide racist who would just be extremely racist. And it's, you know, maybe he was raised like that. Maybe it was okay for them when it shouldn't be, it's 2020. We shouldn't have these things. But they're, pr they're praying and pouncing on that vulnerability of the people that are half-baked educated or primed by their own people that were probably – like if your mother was um, – was a victim of injustice, right? A racial injustice. You then will be primed and 
thinking that this is something normal and you will grow up and then raise your children with the same feeling, not to say, Hey, things has changed. Things have changed, you know, and whatnot. So this is normal human response. This is why it's called the psychological operation. And so as people right now, here's where the left is pouncing on you. Aside from the left pouncing on their, uh, you know, unfortunate, uh, person's demographics, right? Unfortunate that are, um, believing that all this happens or may have been victim of it and their families or someone, uh, this is how they prey on them to push this idea that the police is evil because then they'll be like, well, yeah, we need to use robots and drones because they don't see color. They just see actions in people. You see how they're going to push it. This is why they're pushing it. They want to take the human element out. How are you going to give a human element to your computer that thinks in ones and zeros? Humans aren't black and white. You know, there's a lot of gray area a lot of gray area. You can't just see things in black and white. There's a gray area. Very, very. And so that's for the lefties, right? The, the, the dildo waivers, the, that have been primed from the education, et cetera. But, um, for the right, you have seen that you can't, those that understand the way government works and politics work, you have seen with your own eyes that the highest, you know, uh, the people at the highest ranking offices of our um, law enforcement, of our judicial um, uh, sector, of our Congress, of our Senate, of our intelligence communities have all violated their oaths and tampered with evidence, manufactured evidence, you know, retroactively, uh, you know, planted evidence. They've done all of this. So you have mistrust at the get-go to anyone in the government that's been there for all this time, and that is completely warranted. And they're playing on that feeling, okay, that you have to further sow distrust in those that are having these conversations with you. And, and rightfully so. I can tell you there's tons of people that can be picked out all over social media, on the news that I, I can point out and say, this person is a reality hacker. This person is this, but that won't help the situation because I am just helping their operation. This is why I've said we have to focus on the facts understand how they operate and then focus and center it. to you trust your gut. Don't allow anyone to tell you that nothing can be done or what is fact, because think about it. How many lawsuits did they file against the president that were false? How much stuff did they file into court, suing him, charging him everything? This is how big wigs fight wars. They don't go on social media and put catty things. They file them in court. I'm actually victim of that too. And awaiting to go to the Supreme court. Because you can do anything you want. And that's how they play, man. They did it to the president. They did it to General Flynn. You think they're not doing it to you? <laughs> Don't be so quick. I've seen someone who requested a document and it was being obfuscated, went to the Supreme Court and said, hey, 
I found this document that they constantly said did not exist. And the government's supposed to give me this. And the Supreme Court kicks it back to the district court that kept telling the person, well, they said they don't have it. So tough noogies. You are not afforded the same rights they are. You are not afforded any rights unless you're on their team. I'm going to take you back to just a little slight case during the Clinton era when Uranium One was happening. I don't know how Wiseman got away with that one, but there was a case of someone in the cabinet of the Clinton campaign uh, that had to do with you had like stark proof that there was bribery involved between him and a company and they went to court and the court sided with, oh, yeah, well, that's not really it, but it is. Why did the company give him money and then got what they wanted? That's plain out bribery. But because he was on the right team, nothing happened. Yet we saw how many people get annihilated during the Bush administration for coming out with discrepancies. What about Cheryl Atkinson? They were spying on her. I could tell you they were spying on her. She was actively seeking records. And this is why the hack, <laughs> the passports happened to but I digress. We need to understand that these ideologies that they're pushing, like the anti-police ideology, is because you're allowing them to do it because they're tapping into that, not you specifically, but the people in general. They're tapping into that fear you have of discrimination. And, and we're, we're, we're feeling discrimination too. I mean, how many of you are scared to walk out with your MAGA hats or scared to say that you support, you know, free speech or Second Amendment or that you want a wall? Like, they're they're, they, they are terrorizing you. They will beat you. They will come down to your house and light you up because they want to. This is how it goes. It's the instant gratification. It's the, it's the way um, we operate as a society in 2020. And so we need to slow things down because everything's, everything is going so fast. So that video was supposed to do just that give you that great awakening that even the Trump administration has uh, stated. They are not invading your thoughts. They are infiltrating your thoughts. So, you know, yes, you have to accept you're being spied on, period, 24-7, <laughs> 365 or 366 and a half, depending on whatever leap year it is, a year, regardless. Okay. Regardless. So it's important that people understand just how huge this is. I want you to look back at the past few years from the beginning, from during the campaign, all these people came out and filed false claims. The president of the United States now, but back then candidate Trump did this, you know, none, but half of you, just like someone just said, half of you didn't even they didn't even support the president. Why would you? There were lawsuits being filed. He's a criminal. He's working with foreign governments and all of them are moot. Nothing came out of it. But what they did was it was a smear campaign. That's what people need to know. And I've, I've been saying it all. And man, I play with the big boys, man. I'm going after a whole state. I'm not going after, you know, Joe around the corner. I'm going after a whole state, a whole state. State, 
you know, because that governor that's there now had a cozy little meeting. And I think I'm going to bring on someone onto the show uh, that can talk more about that. Bill Gates and the governor of North Dakota actually had a meeting together. And then the next day, remember, Governor Burgum is on a um, Republican supposed ticket. Remember, North Dakota is the place where they have it's insane, the corruption that's there. I mean, they're even given like a grade F, right, for corruption. And so this guy has been pushing the social credit score. There's a guy named Sam Saylor who was a chaplain of the Bismarck Police Department a chaplain and they investigated him and had evidence. And I can, and I, you know, and there's an article on the Minuteman blog. Um, I'll um, slot it into the Twitch and Facebook chat um, when we get to our next segment, but they found evidence that he was luring minors through a computer. This is a police officer and they did nothing to him. A deputy U.S. marshal, thank God, was arrested and charged with going after minors. The same deputy U.S. marshal that was working with people from the BCI in smaller areas of like Wells County where they targeted children. So these these people work for us. They work with the Sinaloa. They work with the cartels. Um, this is a huge network. And I've been attacking all of them from their cooperation with the cartels uh, for the human trafficking ring between uh, uh, the state of North Dakota and Nevada and how they're, you know, smuggling people off of Native American reservations. This is crazy. And, you know, how they have these programs through the State Department. And that's all actually public record if you go into the FOIA request because they've been FOIAed, um, where they promote these programs of work and study through companies like American Pool Enterprises. Like, why the heck? Would a pool company, you know, how many pools are in the state of North Dakota? They have like 700,000 residents. Okay, how many of them can swim? Can we say half of them? Right. And how many of them actually have pools? So how many of them are foreigners that, that they're housed up in hotels as prostitutes uh, for truckers? Like, this is real stuff. I've documented all of it. And this is why I got backlash, because I made a public record, sent it to the Justice Department and everything. But this is how they come at you. This is how they came at the president. They say, oh, you're going to drag our dirty laundry? You watch. We'll just make it up. And we'll just drop, 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 drop. Manufacture, 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 because they can. Because they can. And this is it. This is the era where they're brainwashing you with rubbish. They're telling you things about, oh, uh, you know, we just need digital drones to fly around because they're not going to discriminate against your color, height, weight, or political affiliation. What are you talking about? It's an AI bot. And if you program it to target conservatives, it's going to do it. It's all about who's controlling the computer. And on top of that, the computer can't tell the difference between horseplay and actual fight. When, when does it stop? When will it say, oh, it's not horseplay? When the person's dead, when a drop of blood comes out, when they're on the floor scuffling and wrestling or tickling each other, like where does it stop? This is the questions, and this should be something that you should be very terrified about. You know, the DNC convention started, and all they did was trying to toot Joe Biden, who introduced himself as the husband of Joe Biden. Like, that was the real Joe Biden, by the way, right? And then we had the Democrat Party also confuse everyone by nominating someone else for president that isn't even the nominee. So this is 
the most insane roller coaster. And I'm trying to give to you the tools to be able to identify it. These are people that are working behind the scenes to take our nation. They're looking to destroy our nation and make it look like China. I mean, you know, it's, it's insane. So I want to play the clip, look, of Ocasio-Cortez, right? Nominating Bernie Sanders as <laughs> no, I mean, this is how rogue they are. They can't even get their message together. The party is even split, which is great. That's great. The fact that the party split is perfect because it means <laughs> more ease for us. Uh, so here's Ocasio talking about how Bernie Sanders, um, Bienvenidos. And thank you to everyone here today endeavoring towards a better, more just future for our country and our world. In fidelity and gratitude to a mass people's movement working to establish 21st century social, economic, and human rights, including guaranteed health care, higher education, living wages, and labor rights for all people in the United States. A movement striving to recognize and repair the wounds of racial injustice, colonization, misogyny, and homophobia, and to propose and build reimagined systems of immigration and foreign policy that turn away from the violence and xenophobia of our past. A movement that realizes the unsustainable brutality of an economy that rewards explosive inequalities of wealth for the few at the expense of long-term stability for the many and who organized a historic grassroots campaign to reclaim our democracy. In a time when millions of people in the United States are looking for deep systemic solutions to our crises of mass evictions, unemployment, and lack of health care in el espíritu del pueblo, and out of a love for all people, I hereby second the nomination of Senator Bernard Sanders of Vermont for President of the United States of America. Okay, I didn't even want to see that smile because it gave me the creeps. Now, uh, she's nominated him, um, and I'll show you what the nominee himself said, which was so hilarious. Um, he just called himself Joe Biden's husband. So take a listen to this quick clip. <laughs> hey, <everybody>. Jill. <laughs> Great job. Hey, everyone. I'm Jill Biden's husband. <clears throat> As you heard tonight, <clears throat> excuse me, you can see why she's the love of my life. Yep. So that's who they want as president. He can't even, you know, say something <laughs> as simple as, hi, I'm Jill Biden's, you know, husband. He said Joe Biden. So this is this is where they're at. And I OK, so let's go to Joe Biden's nomination. I just want to talk about that for a little bit. So back in February, right, 2019, there was a conference in Munich and at that conference was Biden, uh, the Ukraine uh, ambassadors, uh, foreign service officers, members of the UN, obviously members of the EU. They were all there talking. And there were conversations that were had between them. Remember, everyone had a phone. And there were people there at earshot, too. And so the conversations ensued where Yovanovitch, um, you know, made known to them that she was terrified because Rudy Giuliani had been in contact and uh, had um, 
converse with people in Ukraine, how they had blocked, okay, and, and pay attention to this, they had blocked um, uh, complaints to come to the Justice Department. So, so you understand what happened at the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine, right? So this is why I, 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 I wrote those articles. I think it's on Loomerd and on my page, and if my data is returned, I can put it up. Um, but I'm sure it's archived somewhere. Um, Yovanovitch was like the gatekeeper, for the Justice Department. Now, keep in mind, she's part of the State Department. She has no right to intervene in information that someone from the Justice Department of a foreign country wants to get to our Justice Department. Because back in 1999, Bill Clinton had signed an agreement between the two nations in sharing uh, information between each other. And that was done preemptively, keep in mind, because we started to fund them money and it all stemmed from the first rounds of monies that Adam Schiff had raised and purported and pushed through his friend Igor Pasternak, who supposedly, you know, who invents blimps like we've paid this guy. We your money has gone to this guy through the Senate, through Congress, specifically Schiff, who's been pouncing his buddy, um, to just have ideas about, you know, blimps. And he's Ukrainian, by the way. And so they started doing this whole move toward the Ukraine because they knew exactly what they needed to do. This is how they would buffer Russia because they would give them the ability to flank them by taking over a nation that does just split. Remember these nations that came apart from the Soviet union were always like territories. It's kind of like, you know, people in Texas have different cultural nuances than people in Wisconsin or Maine or Oregon, right? They're all different. So think of it in that sense. So you can simplify, it and understand it. So here's where, you know, they came in back in the, in the, in the late nineties to buffer that zone. And I'll tell you why they buffered it. So if you look back, they had already started creating and funding pipelines for oil and gas uh, with Iran. And we've paid for that too. Uh, through Turkey. And we've paid for that too. And so there were uh, gas pipelines that needed to be funded and created uh, from the Middle Eastern uh, area and the Far East area. We're talking Jebrezhin, Turkmenistan, um, to, and Kazakhstan to be coming in and feeding into the European Union. Because the European Union is like 70% dependent on Russia for gas. Now, Ukraine itself is highly in, they have one of the biggest reserves of natural gas. This is why we had, you know, um, Gazprom in there, Dracon Securities, um, all these investment firms that were all backing Rosprom uh, within Ukraine. Now, obviously, I'm talking off from the top of my head. I don't have this in front of me because this isn't something that I plan to talk about. And that's how I usually do my show because I actually know this stuff. And so here's where we have the first, you know, plan um, put in action in the late 90s. So the Ukraine was always taken over and obviously Ukrainians were upset with it. And if you watch the Shadowgate video, you'll see how we created operations and no one can deny this because there have to be records of it, that we've deployed, uh, Barack Hussein Obama actually deployed his own National Guard out there to instigate this. Not only that, 
We paid for it. There is uh, legislation that happened in 2014, just as Joe Biden's son got on all these boards and everything, that we gave them like millions of dollars to supposedly help them with their elections, where we gave them like 1,200 uh, temporary employees and 250 permanent employees to help them with their elections. Stop. Why are we going to another country helping them with elections? You know how many countries have kicked out previous administrations for doing like why are we spending our money? Why am I working? Why are you working to pay someone to be paid to go to another country and help them with their elections? I'm sorry. Why, why are we doing that? Is that not an independent nation? Think about it that way. So anyway, so Ukraine comes into focus. Now, Yovanovitch, she was at the embassy and what they did was when people from the Justice Department in Ukraine saw that President Trump was in office, they attempted under that treaty that had been signed by Clinton in 1999 to get information to the Justice Department in the United States. So they said, I want to provide documentation to the Justice Department. They said, well, give it to us. And he said, no, I just want to go. So they were denying them. Okay. Let me let me make the actual statement that happened, which is they delayed and never issued, but they say they didn't deny, right? They didn't deny them. They were just like too busy to do it, to give visas to these individuals of the Justice Department in Ukraine to come out and meet with our people at the Justice Department to give them evidence of crimes. That's number one. That is what they were doing in 2017 and 2018. So she expressed the concern at the Munich, because I heard it, that, you know, they're all over this Ukraine thing because she never let them get in contact with our Justice Department. And so that's why I wrote that article, which is like who made Yovanovitch like gatekeeper for the Justice Department. She's part of the State Department. It's none of her freaking business what the Justice Department has. And she violated an actual treaty that we have in place with people. Yet, for some reason, they put her up as a credible witness. But, you know, smear campaigns and all and beef up campaigns, right? You make someone look good if you want to, too. It doesn't just go to trash someone, make someone look good. So here's Yovanovitch having this conversation with all these people. And they're like, Joe Biden, you need to go in. And he even said, I'm not up to it. This is why he constantly kept saying, I, I'm not up to I'm going to announce I'm going to announce. So they were like, all right. Well, we'll see if, you know, this guy gets elected and then we'll fix it. But what they didn't know is that there are a lot of Tories out there. Okay. People like us don't exist. We don't exist, period. You know, John Brennan has done this before where they hide things and they obfuscate things under state secrets. I mean, Kevin Ship's family was almost killed, right? And poisoned by him. That's on the record. And then they hide things. See, he was paid directly for the agency. So he had something to go on. But what about all these Tories that are out there? Right? What about them? Because they train you from when you're young. Like, I didn't know that going to these little programs as a kid, that that's what they were doing. I mean, they pulled me out of the military. They pulled me out. And they were like, yeah, you're going to serve your country in another capacity. That's what's up. I mean, you could see that in the video. I talk about it. I was like, all right, that's what's up. I mean, how many people have corrected DD-214s? Because I do. I have a DD-214 that says that I was um, 
that I served two years and then I have another one. Uh, and then on the back, it's like, oh, we corrected it from two years to one year because they had to bill someone for the training they put me through. It, I had that like totally. And so it's like, you know, did I serve eight months, two years? I mean, I got two copies, official ones. And I got congressmen to get them for me because I actually tried to pull documents to see how everything is done. So that's what's up. And so this is how they work and they operate. They obfuscate things. And so Yovanovitch was obfuscating. She was like, all right, we're not going to get the real information out to the Justice Department. We're going to we're going to slow walk this. And this is from November 2018 when Giuliani actually went there. And I can tell you that the conversations that ensued was them was him actually garnering this information from Justice uh, Department individuals. And I had an article out where I first, before anyone, already put all the criminal indictments from 2014 where they were charging them with crimes because there were people that really wanted to get hold of Ukraine and be an independent nation. And that's what sucks. You know, the, the true story, yeah, of Kevin Ship's family is he got all the document proving what they did on his website. He also outsmarted them with hidden code in his book. And it was a brilliant move on Kevin's end. That's correct. They will take you out. So the what people need to understand is that they're so well organized and how they converse. Well, let me, let me stop right there. Cause I'm falling into pockets and distracted with the comments. So let's go back to the Munich conference. Okay. So here's Joe Biden saying, I don't want to, to run because I can't. And they had valid concerns for his health because he mentioned that. And they, they said, well, you're, you just need to go because if you run, then they can't investigate and they can't indict us and we will do everything in our power in order to stop him from winning again. Because as long as he's running, right? And I tried to use that cover too by running for mayor so he can't slander me, but he still did it anyway. <laughs> Using secret subpoenas, man. I had so many secret subpoenas on me that were administrative subpoenas because that state allows it. It's ridiculous. So obviously Joe Biden is running not because he wants to run for president. And this is why they're going behind a man that you can actually see a senile, okay? You can see that he's senile. You can see that, where's Hunter Biden? Yeah, probably face off, right? But this is why they have him there, because they can't prosecute. That's normal protocol, because it'll be seen as retaliation by the um, you know incumbent administration. This is why they can't, you know, um, they can't not have Biden run. This is why. Because the fact that he's running actually obstructs justice. And there's evidence of those conversations. The NSA has them, I guess, if, you know, Ukrainian Robert Storch didn't delete it, right? Pretty sure we had eyes on that. Maybe that's why we left him there. Maybe that's why we had Robert Storch there, so we can have someone else watching Robert Storch. I mean, if Snowden went in there and duplicated the copy to be exported overseas, and maybe Tori had gotten information saying, hey, that's where it's being exported, maybe it was also twinned or copied by an intercept. Who knows? The, the, the one thing is for sure that they planned this. They planned the phone call with the president. It was a setup. 
100%. And they planned to have Joe Biden come in and throw his hat in the race after the election. See, they waited. Look, the election, I think, happened, and I'm going off the top of my head here. I think it was like April 21st, 2019, right? Or 25th, something like, oh, no, 25th, I think Biden announced, 20th or 21st, the election happened. So the first call the president had was call Zelensky and say, hey, congratulations on your election. Great job. End of story. Then a couple days later, I think that Friday, Joe Biden, well, Joe Biden was supposed to the week before announce that he was running, but delayed it. Then he said he was going to announce it that Wednesday via video call, but then he delayed it. And then it happened on Friday. I mean, you can look all this stuff up. So this was all planned because I already knew the plan. This is why I tweeted out to Adam Schiff, you know, the silent circle thing. And I said, yo, that's what's up. See, because they were already talking on how to entrap the president on the phone call and how they would have someone file a whistleblower complaint. They had planned that from the Munich cyber, well, where they were talking about cyber stuff and et cetera, conference where they were all present. This is how it goes. So, uh, the, um, the way they planned this was genius if you couldn't follow it, but you know, you could believe me and you cannot believe me. And for them to prove that what I'm saying, I mean, all of them already know it's true, right? This is why they're panicking because I heard everything. I know that Eric Ciaramella was not a whistleblower. They picked him. They picked him. You're the whistleblower. This is why they backdated, you know, the rules of how you file it. The IC, IG of the IC changed the rules to allow the whistleblower complaint to happen. I mean, how can you not see how orchestrated this was? How, and, and when I tell you that there's still a coup, you know there is because they thought that they had everything, but they didn't know that other people were watching and listening. Yes, flies on walls. I wrote that article saying that the whistleblower is a wiretap because they were listening to everything in the White House. The whole White House was wiretap. I've been saying that. They listened to everything. But if you've got a fly, so do I, per se, because John Brennan had set that up. You guys set that up. You even had him testify, and he told you. And we showed evidence how the congressional knowledge management system is being housed in freaking Germany. And in my article of Hurricane Electric on Big League Politics, I actually name the companies that are housing the damn server for this. And it's like uh, debunked. It's all there. But the thing is, how do I put it all down there without, you know, dropping? They don't know what else I have. They don't know what else I've dropped and where I've buried it. But Congress can, because I'd be more than happy to tell them so they can verify it. And that's the way it is. I heard everything. I'm walking you through it. Joe Biden threw his hat in the race after the elections. That's how he did it, because they conspired to do that. They already knew that George Kent and Taylor were going to testify against the president. How did they know that? Because Kent and Taylor, along with Robert Storch, who's now the IG of the NSA, and Robert Storch's wife, created the National Anti-Corruption Bureau. It's in the darn video. And that same IG of the NSA was having chit chats with the government of Ukraine. They even approached him to give him a job in 2017 before they put him in. That's the thing.
If people actually look at the facts, this is so massive. You have no idea. You think the Russia dossier, which was some sick fantasy of Harry Reid's, that's how they got the pee-pee thing, because Harry Reid had a fetish to go to brothels and women piss on him. That's a fact. Harry Reid, you know, the guy that hit himself in the face with the TheraBand, the guy that went to Mother Jones and gave the dossier, the guy I, I heard Lindsey Graham and McCain talking about. That's the way it is. So this is just how big this coup is. I heard it. <laughs> it was almost as if I was there. I heard everything. You should have heard how much panic they had with Rudy Giuliani there. This is why they came after him. This is why they went on smear for him. This is why they attack everyone. I mean, look at Roger Stone. They maimed him. He did nothing wrong. Nothing. They put him in the tightest of boxes they could. They made his butthole pucker a hundred million times, but he did not kneel. He did not yield because that's what true Americans that love their country do. They will stand in the fire. They will stand and be torched rather than allow things like this to happen. So if you want to know how they did this Ukrainian coup, that's where it started in Munich, talking with Merkel, the, um, uh, it was, um, um, oh gosh, uh, Juncker was in the conversation. So, and, um, trying to think, I have this documented, but I don't want to open up any more pages. I'm trying to think. So it was Juncker, Merkel, uh, Macron's advisor was there. Oh, and his and Gary, geriatric wife. You know, she was like his elementary school teacher and he married her, just so you know. Um, ooh, staffers, obviously, of Pelosi were there. Schiff were there. Um, I want to know who was in the... I'm trying to remember who else was in the conversation. Um, oh, uh, campaign people for Zelensky were in there, um, and they were all talking, all of them. And they had made phone call. They had a conference call and they all talked about how they're going to put Joe Biden up so he can cock block the whole lawsuit against them for crimes. Remember, Yovanovitch is not an honorable person. Okay. She was blocking Ukrainian justice officials to meet with U.S. justice officials that was dictated as such to be allowed of communication via a treaty that Bill Clinton put in place in 1999. She was cock-blocking it. She didn't deny them visas. She just didn't give them any. And they even complained about it. You can Google everything I tell you. You can find it. It's not rocket science. Obviously, I, I, I talked about it, you know, uh, before it was even a thing. But they all colluded. And they're still colluding. And the military is the only way now. The military is the only way. And this is why the president made it clear to show that he supports, he supports the military and its veterans 100%. Because they need to understand just how he will walk through fire for them. It is important that he will walk through fire for them. It's so insane. It is so insane. Walk through fire. <laughs> and then they tell you that, you know, the president's a bad guy and, you know, everyone else is great and they're all for this and they want free speech. But where's the free speech? 
It's not there. It's not anywhere. So the Democrats at the DNC, obviously, we had Big Mike out there. Damn, he looked a little bit different. And and they had videoed, pre-videoed conferences. They had Bill Clinton, the rapist, on there. Like, how did he come out there? Like, we all knew he was a rapist. And they're and they don't care because they've got enough media there to not talk about it. They've got enough media there to thump him up. Remember, he was impeached for raping Monica Lewinsky, regardless of whatever story she had with her NDA, because that's a big deal. You know, president just raped his intern. You know, what's the problem? You know, how is it happening? Like, why would you do this? You know, the, the you know. <laughs> Monica Lewinsky knows the truth. No woman who's a mistress is going to hold on to a dress with semen for evidence. Come on, guys. You all know it. So the military was one thing that the president embraced because he needed them because the military is the only way now because they've mucked up everything. They've mucked up everything. And there are vets that sit on two sides, right? We've got the dildo waving vets, the ones that, you know, and, and then we have our um, vets that are hurt. I mean, for those of you that have never seen war, right, that don't understand that you can't unsee things like, you know, when you see people turn into hamburger in front of you, right, it messes you up. It really does. And it makes you very reactionary, a little bit um, unstable. You know, we have those that, that are easily hijacked. Right. They're uh, easily hijacked. So we have to understand that the military now is the only way, because remember, and I'll say it again, the New York Times op ed was penned by Joint Chiefs of Staff member. OK, that's a big deal. That is a very big deal. And no one's talking about it. Why is no one talking about it? I mean, oh, it's General Matt, General Mattis. Right. Was I wrote an article on him. It's on Tory Says. I'm sure it's archived, and hopefully I get back my stolen data. But, you know, in there I tell you that he was on a board of Theranos, right, which is a blood research company, which claimed that they were trying to be able to create uh, tests where they can check through one drop of your blood if you have diseases or cancer or whatever, which is BS. They were fostering to grow and cultivate something in blood. Now, the Theranos um, Theranos board was made up of General Mattis, Kissinger. That's all you need to know for now, right? I mean, once you hear that, you're just like, what? Blood? What? This? Okay. I'm sold. I'm done with what I know already, right? You can see it now. Now, that chick was found to uh, was guilty of fraud or something. It's because they weren't doing what they were saying they were doing. And you know what they were doing? They weren't researching. They were researching, but what were they exporting and importing is the question. So anyway, she got away with paying half a million dollars in charges. But then we have Martin Shkreli, who took a patent for the AIDS, vac AIDS medications. Oops, slip. And he thumped the price up and people were like, oh my God, pharma bro just jacked it up. Guys, he did that to draw attention to a drug that was never prescribed to anyone because they kept it for themselves that had to do with HIV, malaria, and okay. And so he went to jail. He is sitting in jail. He's in jail right now, Martin Shkreli. The youngest dude, the pharma bro, read up on it. He got the patent. They didn't expect it because no one's supposed to know that that medication exists. 
He jacks the price up. The mainstream media goes wild. Whoa, what an ass. He just dumped the price up. He just, he did it to draw attention, right? He did it to draw attention. Was going to jail. They started to do SEC investigations all by Peter Strzok's wife, of course. Okay, pay attention. Peter Strzok's wife, of course. Mm. And Comey's daughter, of course. Mm. And so as he's let out on bail, he says, guys, get me a strand of Hillary Clinton's hair. And boom in jail. And he's still sitting there. But no one talks about him because even people on the right, right? Even people on the right, uh, you know, come in and attack him. Oh, he thumped up because they know half the story. They don't know anything. His name is Martin Shkreli. S-H-R, wait, wait, Shkreli. S-H-K-R- E-L-I, Martin Shkreli. He's an Albanian young guy. They called him the pharma bro. They mass attacked him. They assassinated him online. And it came from, you know, right and left, mostly the left. And that is so messed up. So messed up. that He's actually a political victim because they framed him like crazy. And his supposed fraud was way less than this chick from Theranos that had General Mattis on her board in Kissinger. And she's walking around free, still probably, you know, importing and exporting the same type of products. But I digress. See, the, this is way bigger than people understand way bigger. And yes, I am going to be showing Kylie's presser. Um, I think I'm waiting for it because it's not up yet. Um, but it is, it is pretty, it's pretty sad that, um, no one, you know, oh, she's there. Thanks for reminding me. She's there. She just came on. Thank you guys. Let's interrupt this discussion. We'll go back to the Ukraine and Biden and the DNC in just a bit. Let's listen to our press secretary and what she has to tell us today. Thank you for the reminder, guys. Here we go. And I'll start it from the beginning. She's uh, already two minutes in. The American people. While Nancy Pelosi and her colleagues went home, this president remained hard at work. President Trump took executive action, including stopping evictions, providing unemployment insurance, pausing student loan payments, cutting the payroll tax, which put money in the pockets of all Americans. Democrats apparently were unable to stick around to make a deal. Now, suddenly, Democrats will be rushing back to Washington. But why? The answer, the United States Postal Service. It's a stunning turn of events, Democrats went home after accomplishing nothing. No deal on stimulus checks, no deal on small business relief, no deal on eviction protections. The concerns of everyday Americans were not the concerns of Democrats on Capitol Hill. So where is Nancy Pelosi? She and her Democrat colleagues will be back in Washington soon to pursue their latest manufactured crisis, the Postal Service. Democrats denied a $10 billion offer for the U.S. Postal Service by this president before they went on recess. But now they're back to pursue the latest Democrat-manufactured crisis. It's sad, but it's clear where Democrats' priorities stand. And with that, I'll take questions. John. Uh, Kaylee, looking ahead to a potential action at the United Nations, will the president dispatch the Secretary of State to go to the U.N. to invoke the snapback clause? On sections. Yeah, so um, I have no announcements and I won't get ahead of the president. But what I will say is the president has said that he will be willing to invoke the snapback option soon. And I'll leave that to him. 
Yes. Kelly, the president said this week, the only way we lose this election is if the election is rigged. It begs the question, does the president believe there's any circumstance under which he could lose the election fairly? The president believes he's done a great job for the American people, and he believes that will show in November. He believes uh, that voter fraud is real um, in line with what we see all across the country, particularly with mail-in ballots, which are prone to fraud. Yes, thanks very much, Kaylee. Two questions for you. Firstly, um, given the president's tweet on Goodyear mm-hmm. and lashing out at them, um, is the beast still going to be using Goodyear tires? I'm not going to comment on security matters. Okay, and I want to follow up with a question that I asked the president uh, last week, but he didn't answer. I asked him about QAnon, so I wanted to know, have you ever heard the president talk about QAnon and what does he think of the conspiracy theory? No, I've never heard of that. There's a lot of media focus on that, but certainly never heard of that from the president. Yes. Kaylee, just a follow-up um, on, on what uh, my colleague said over there with regard to the president saying make sure to get out and vote because the only way we're going to lose this election is if the election is rigged. Does the president Is the president saying if he doesn't win this election that he will not accept the results unless he wins? The president has always said he'll see what happens um, and make a determination in the aftermath. It's the same thing he said uh, last November. He wants a free election, a fair election, and he wants confidence in the results of the election, particularly when you have states like Nevada doing mass mail out voting uh, to their voting rolls. And when they tried this in the primary, it was a massive failure. Ballots were piled up in trash cans. Ballots were pinned to apartment dart boards. And with that being the system, uh, the president wants to take a hard look at this and make sure that these are fair uh, elections results and not subject to fraud. Yes. Can you tell us if the White House has reached out to Pelosi or the Democrats to talk over the next couple of days about stimulus? Yeah, so I have no updates on um, the personal conversations uh, that we've been having. But what I'll say is this, is I know uh, the speaker um, is interested in potentially a skinny bill um, with post office funding. But what we want here at the White House is we're certainly open to post office funding. We did, after all, offer that $10 billion that was turned down. Um, So we're open to that. But what we want to see in there is relief for the American people who are hurt um, through no fault of their own. For unemployed Americans, we want to see an enhanced unemployment insurance, PPP. We want to see small businesses get taken care of. That money goes directly to payroll, so to pay workers and thus keep jobs. Um, And we're interested in seeing stimulus checks go out to the American people as well. On the post office, are you able to share if uh, if the White House is open to the $25 billion that the Democrats are proposing, or is $10 billion the the cap? No, we don't have a cap. We're certainly open to looking at the $25 billion, but we want included in there relief for the American people that thus far Speaker Pelosi has been entirely uninterested in as this president has taken unilateral action to protect Americans subject to eviction, to protect Americans who are unemployed, to protect Americans uh, via a tax cut through payroll deferral. So this president's taken action still. We're waiting on a reckless Speaker Pelosi to get back and do her job. Yes, just to follow up on that, and then I have another question. Um, Are there other things that the president could do in the realm of the executive action to address this problem with the Postal Service to ensure that they've got sufficient funding? Is there anything that he could do to do to sort of fill the gap? So the post office um, does have sufficient funding through uh, 2021, and um, they do currently have cash on hand. They've been given that $10 billion line of credit through the CARES Act, um, so that's important to note. Um, And look, we're looking at the post office funding um, to do with Speaker Pelosi, but that must also include um, money for our hardworking Americans as well. And the president, just to underscore this mission yesterday, uh, that he wants to protect postal workers. These are great 
hardworking Americans, and he wants to make the post office solvent um, and to protect those post office jobs. And he mentioned um, Amazon um, needing to raise the price of packages for Amazon as a way to help the solvency with the post office. Yes. Um, with the recent agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, there is great interest on the part of the Emiratis to purchase F-35s. Um, what is the president's position on selling those high-end aircraft to the Emiratis at this point? And would that require congressional changes to remove the qualitative military edge uh, that is guaranteed to Israel at this moment. So we don't confirm or comment on proposed defense sales or transfers until they're formally notified to Congress. Um, to circle back on your first point too about post office funding, I did want to highlight um, a piece that was written by Ruth Goldway, who's a retired chairwoman and commissioner of the U.S. Postal Regulatory Commission. I believe it was in the New York Times. Um, and she said, quote, that the post office has access to about $25 billion in cash. Its own forecasts predict that it will have enough money to operate into 2021. So this notion that there's this emergency uh, for which Nancy Pelosi needs to rush back to Capitol Hill to solve is a farce. It is false. The real thing that's happening here is Nancy Pelosi is feeling pressure from her members, from her constituents, because she's not delivered relief for the American people. And President Trump has. Yes, Paula. Thank you, Kaylee. Today, the president encouraged Americans not to buy Goodyear tires, suggesting that they had a ban on MAGA hacks. But it appears that their policy is just a ban on political speech. It's pretty common for most companies. So why is the president retaliating? against a private company for their dress code and potentially jeopardizing American jobs. So Goodyear needs to come out and clarify their policy. There was an image they failed to clear. Yes, I did see their statements, which still still failed, failed to clarify their policy. What happened is there was an image that was put out that showed that certain speech was acceptable, Black Lives Matter insignia, for instance, but what was not allowed was Blue Lives Matter. What was not allowed was MAGA hats. Um, what was clearly targeted was a certain ideology. They have not denied that that image was presented at one of their facilities, and they need to come out. Racial equality, racial justice, that is okay, but not political speech. That's pretty standard across the board right now. That's not that unusual. Did the president even reach out to Goodyear before they, he tweeted? They came out and said equity issues. As far as I'm concerned, Blue Lives Matter is an equity issue. There have been police officers across this country that have been targeted because they wear the badge. Look no further than Dallas, where five police officers died. So Black Lives Matter, an organization who's in their D.C. branch said Black Lives Matter means defund the police. One of their presidents in New York said we will burn down the system. We all remember in 2015 the yelling of pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon at a Black Lives Matter rally. That speech is allowed, but Blue Lives Matter is not allowed. And I will stand at this podium and say Blue Lives Matter is an equity issue, and, and Goodyear needs to come out and acknowledge it. Well, so let me just address that. The reason he called for the boycott was over MAGA. MAGA is pretty much unanimous with Blue Lives Matter these days, if you've seen the endorsements. Yeah. Hi, Kelly. Uh, does OIS support rolling back those existing operational changes that Louis DeJoy have, has done at the Postal Service, like those mail sorting machines? He said he would pause uh, the operational changes going forward, but does he? Do, do you guys support rolling back the ones that have already affected mail delivery? 
So the president made his position clear on this yesterday, and it is um, making the post office solvent via Amazon package rates being raised. Um, it's important to note how this works. So for letters, magazines, catalogs, the post office can only uh, raise prices by the rate of inflation, whereas with packages and commercial freight uh, like Amazon, they can raise those competitive prices. And uh, the postmaster general, Louis DeJoy, has proposed doing just that um, because we don't believe that Amazon should be able to push expensive packages to the post office um, and burden them further when they've already had issues um, with funding uh, and push it there, but yet take advantage of the cheaper shipping. It's, it's a business model that works for Amazon, but it's not one that works for the American people and clearly not one that works for the post office. What are the specific operational changes? He's, the president's made clear that Amazon, he thinks that's the best way to go. And I'll let him answer any further on that. Yes. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, the president last night congratulated Laura Loomer for her primary win in Florida. Uh, he's also back Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia. Both women have expressed anti-Muslim sentiments. Does the president endorse their view of their views of Muslims? And does he believe that those views belong in Congress? Well, the president routinely congratulates people who who officially uh, get the Republican nomination for Congress. So he does that as a matter of course. Um, he hasn't done a deep dive into um, the statements by these two particular women. I don't know if he's even seen that, but he supports the Muslim community. Um, he supports the community of faith more broadly in this country. Yes. Thank you, Katie. The president said that cost has been a consideration in selecting the White House as the location for his acceptance speech on um, next week. And I'm wondering if um, if cost in terms of keeping costs down for security purposes is a consideration when he's selecting when to travel to his homes in Florida and New Jersey. Um, look, the president um, made clear that he wants to look at cost with regard to the convention. He always tries to, um, but the president is entitled at times to leave the White House, and he's done that just like every past president has. Yes. Thank you, Kaylee. Can you confirm that the U.S.-China trade deal phase one talks with Ambassador Lighthizer are still on track? And if so, do you have a date for those? Yeah, so the trade representatives um, do speak, and the president um, has expressed his displeasure uh, with China with regard to COVID and the pandemic. Um, I don't have a date for any official talks, but it is safe to say, um, should they continue, it would be between the trade representatives. Yes. Yes. Yeah, back, back to Goodyear for a second. Set the issue of the beast aside. When the president says, don't buy Goodyear tires, get better tires for far less, is he imploring that to his supporters? Or is that the official policy of the U.S. federal government that the president is directing, saying, do not buy Goodyear tires going forward? Uh, the president was talking um, to his supporters when he tweeted that um, in particular. And look, this president will never apologize for standing with law enforcement. Um, he won't. He thinks it's unacceptable. If you can wear a Black Lives Matter hat, guess what? You should be able to wear a Blue Lives Matter one, too, particularly when our police officers are targeted like they were in Dallas, particularly when David Dorn lost his life amid these riots. He will always stand against uh, our police officers and Blue Lives Matter for some reason not being an equity issue as Goodyear. Uh, appears to maintain. So for all the police out there that have Goodyear tires on them that inevitably need to be replaced, that is fine. Go ahead and purchase. I, I haven't spoken to him about that in particular. Okay, let's just stop one second because we're already behind. But it's really important that you understand that the reinforcement that we back the blue is because we need the blue in this war. You're paying attention because the military coup is coming. It's totally coming. And you're going to see it happen. So here they are. They're saying, oh, you're not boycotting them, are you? Are you not going to change your tires? Yeah. 
Pope Goodyear because none of us are going to do it because we back our blue because we need humans to be monitoring humans. We need our police to be given the respect that they deserve. So her fiery binder, the minute a question comes, she's got an answer for it. You can ask him later in the 5 p.m. hour. Yes, good Thank you, Kaylee. Uh, as the White House continues to spearhead its vision and its victories for Middle East peace, what commitments does the White House hope to uh, establish with the visit of the Prime Minister from Iraq tomorrow? Yeah, so that visit, we're very much looking forward um, to that tomorrow. Um, the President looks forward to welcoming uh, Prime Minister Kadami uh, to the White House. The U.S.-Iraq strategic partnership is based upon a common goal for a stable, secure, and prosperous Middle East. And Iraq is a key partner to the U.S. on a range of regional security issues, including the enduring defeat of ISIS. So all of those matters uh, will be discussed tomorrow. Yes, John. Before that question, remember when we talked about this last week with the United Emirates coming into agreement and how Israel came into agreement and more coming into the agreement? You see how Iraq, like I said, Iraq's going to get on board. This is it. This is where they're discussing their independence. This is where they're discussing how can we make this work because you guys need to have a thriving economy. There is no excuse that the Middle East is not a thriving economy. They have natural resources. They're well established. They're geographically positioned to have a very rich and independent economy and it shouldn't be the way it is and this is why real leaders of countries that have been stuck in the uh, emerging market sector love this president because he is making change it's been very bullish on the potential of convalescent plasma and it appeared as though the fda was poised to issue an emergency youth use authorization for convalescent plasma but a number of the president's top advisors in the medical field, including doctors Collins and Fauci, said, let's put a hold on the EUA. It's too early. We don't yet know about the true efficacy of convalescent plasma. Does the president agree with putting off the emergency youth authorization or is he of a different mind? Yeah, so I haven't spoken to the president about that particular EUA. Um, you can ask him that later this afternoon. Um, but I did um, follow up in, with the FDA on a, a testing issue. Um, and I wanted to look into um, the average time for our point of care test, because you all um, ask often about our point of care or more rapid test. Um, and the average time for point of care test from submission to the FDA uh, to decision for COVID-related rapid point of care test was 20 days. Um, and by comparison, that for Ebola, flu, and strep point of care test was over 100 days. Uh, so this FDA under this president has managed to prove these rapid point of care tests that you all ask about um, at a rate five times faster uh, than for Ebola, flu, and strep, which have taken more than 100 days on average. Um, and just before I walked out here, Attorney General Barr announced some very uh, good new news um, last Last week, of course, we learned that the um, suspected killer of legend Talaferro um, was charged, which was very encouraging to see. Operation Legend was, of course, named after legend Talaferro, the four-year-old um, boy who was shot and killed in his bed. Uh, this has been going on for six weeks. Um, there have been a thousand federal agents from FBI, DEA, uh, ATF, and U.S. Marshals working side by side with state and local authorities. Operation Legend is a very good example of cooperation and action, which is a sharp contrast to those who merely express empty sentiments or worse, hold blatant disregard for the unacceptable violence in our cities, of which many 
children have fallen victim to. Uh, the president cares. The president wants law and order restored. He wants peace in our streets. So this president took action. And today, uh, the attorney general can announce under the leadership of this president that federal agents have made over 1,000 arrests as part of Operation Legend. Many of these arrests are for violent state crimes, including 90 homicides. And as AG Barr notes, that means 90 killers would still be on the streets today without the law and order actions of President Trump. Um, and as the mother of Legend Talaferro said, um, this she said, quote, um, my one and only child who fought through open heart surgery at four months is gone due to senseless gun violence. Children are supposed to be our future. And our four-year-old son did not even make it to kindergarten. I stand here today as a mother fighting against violence for my son, Legend Talaferro. My family and I support Operation Legend, and we strongly want our communities and everyone else behind us. Uh, today, um, Legend Talaferro was once again honored uh, by the actions of Operation Legend, and we can thank President Trump and the work of Attorney General Barr for that great news. Thank you all very much. The president will be back here in the 5 p.m. Okay, so he's going to be back at 5 p.m., which is great because um, we'll do that presser too. So what did we unpack from that? So we talked about this last week, right? Told you that all the Middle Eastern countries are coming in together. But I spoke about this in 2018 and 2019, how they were coming together themselves. They were striving to do it. They tried to do it. They were doing it, especially under the Trump administration, where they actually moved along and created railroads for trade. I mean, if the Israelis and the Saudis hated each other so much, then why did they create railroads? Yeah, I know that. Millie Weaver got terminated. I mean, even Red State terminated my radio show. This goes to show who stands for nothing <laughs> and falls for everything. But um, it's it's really bad. It's really bad. Um, Fire Fauci, Laura Loomer mentioned that, you know, and that's the way it is. Uh, look, she discussed a lot of things that are very important. Iraq, we talked about this. We moved it along. We told I, I, I told you that they're all coming together. They're fighting the globalist syndicate. It is all these big companies. That's the way it is. And the president is going to be talking about these things, too. The fact you have it. Right in front of you. Now, someone kept asking for me to discuss, uh, you know, um, to discuss uh, the military coup. The military coup is something we've been talking about for a while, but I've never put it all in summation. The Shadowgate movie tells you everything you need to know. Um, a lot of people are going to be falling on really bad swords because they believe that the other side is going to win. So the people that you see backing down for, from real reporting, from real news, you know, unfortunately are being swayed and they're actually telling you subliminally that the other side is more powerful and we need to side with them. And, and you have to see that. See who is pushing fear. We've talked about this for months now. Do not go for the fear-driven things. I, and nobody can debunk anything I've said because it's record. I've been talking about it for two and a half years. There is nothing you can find that I haven't even talked about. I've been talking about it forever because there's real news and then there's reactionary news and then regurgitating news uh, and analysis that's regurgitating. That's the thing. Look at who they were thumping in Laura Loomer's district. You know, the president tweeted out about Laura. Great job. They're pushing lies. They're moving along. You know, she squashed all of it. She did great. Um, she did great on pushing out 
all the information that was needed for the people. I'm really hoping that the president puts out more. Um, actually, I have lined up video clips of the president and the Iraqi prime minister's uh, meeting today that we need to talk about and how he's coming tomorrow. And they're going to discuss the little facets. Because remember, what Barack Hussein Obama, George Bush, and Clinton did was despicable. I've many times over my time on air and ever ever since I started the Tory Says show, I have played that clip where they're like, well, we got a list of countries and they said that we're just going to go in there and get it done and do this. And that's the way it is. Um, Tempest, I just put him on the screen. He is my archivist. He has all my shows. He archives all my shows and uploads them as podcasts. I am so grateful for him uh, because many times there are a few episodes that are missing. The only one that's really missing on purpose was my first pre-recorded one. In any case, I chickened out, um, which I will put, I don't know, it's going to be November 5th, because it was November 5th, 2018 when I recorded it. So why not, right? So um, uh, I can't comment on that. Look, I don't need to get into little fussy things, but as you can see, the retaliation from this video is just crazy. Uh, Shadowgate pulled pants of a lot of people down and a lot of people uh, made assertions. I know a lot of you said, Roger Stone even said, Patrick Berge, you know what he's saying is correct. He never said, Patrick Berge never said that he was the kingpin. That was all, I don't know who fed it to Alex Jones. Did he even watch the video and then talk about it? That's the thing. See, this is the problem that we have, that people go for sensationalism rather than knowing what they're talking about uh, throughout this whole time that I've been talking, I've been talking for like almost two hours. I've not referenced any document to talk to you because I know this stuff because I do my, I won't talk about things that I don't know because it, you know, then it makes absolutely no sense. I um, follow the flow and I go with you and uh, you know what? We're going to have a movie. I think we should have a movie night um, tonight and go through the whole movie together um, or maybe just a section of it. But uh, no, not tonight. Maybe we could do it on the weekend or something. My website is up with a landing page. I'm looking to wait for my data so that I can um, bring it back up in full, um, full mode. <laughs> and um my email is now working. Um, so if anyone sent me an email uh, between last Friday and Monday and yesterday, I guess, I didn't receive it. So those of you, you know, my email is Tori at Tori says.com. I put it up on the screen yesterday. Um, okay. So um, where do we go? We Kaylee just threw me off track. Uh, we were discussing. We were discussing Joe Biden. Okay. Right. We were discussing Joe Biden and the coup, um, which before I say that, did you see how uh, the press secretary just validated all the research and reporting we've done, uh, how the Sunrise Movement was infiltrated, how their message is actually defund the police. That's what Black Lives Matter is about. We pointed it out. The videos are there. The reporting is there. The press secretary just validated Millie Weaver's video reports on it. Uh, even in the movie Shadowgate, we show you that Black Lives Matter is part of the same group momentum that trains them uh, 
want to defund the police. So this is the problem. They don't like real news. And the press secretary just confirmed everything we've been reporting. And that's what's great. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible. You know, we should, you should revisit those, go to Millie Weaver's uh, YouTube channel and you'll find it. Um, and, you know, it's right there. I mean, actors do act, but sometimes they just act for the sensationalism. But sometimes, you know, they're, they're, everyone's a really good person. It's just, you know, weird. Like, they're going to come out. I mean, I, I heard from my sources that are in D.C. that he's going to come out and say, we just checked with our sources. Bergie and Tori were never in the NSA when none of us ever made that claim. So that's so bizarre. Um, uh, because I get everything back to me. But it's, 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 you know, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Thank you. So anyway, let's get back to the news. We don't need to dilly dally with rubbish and hearsay. We need to focus on these elections. And um, yeah, it is strange. And I think it's because of what he did. I, I think he's to blame for why Roger Stone pulled it. And I'm so devastated for Roger Stone right now. I'm devastated because he's such a good guy. Um, yeah, people are saying speak to George Webb. I mean, he's he's he doesn't even know anything. He said that I still work for John Brennan. Are you kidding? If I worked for John Brennan, I would have been taken away right now. <laughs> Just saying. Um, so anyway, let's not get off topic. Let's focus on the news. So we were talking about the DNC and how uh, they were slamming the president, how they're propping up Joe Biden. Oh, and uh, we talked about Joe Biden, why he was put. He was there. Let me just refocus. Joe Biden was placed as the presidential candidate to cock block the Justice Department for bringing charges because of Ukraine. OK, because a lot of them are dirty. We're talking from years ago, the money that we've sent them. And remember, Igor Pasternak, um, which is buddies with Adam Schiff, he even got money with Ukraine to make weapons. And so how does a guy from making blimps for, well, imagining blimps and making some blimps, but not the blimps that your money paid for um, goes to making weapons. And then that was botched, but they still got 75 million us federal tax dollars for it. Right. So all of this is going to be coming out period. Um, so how do we, you know, how do we see where Kamala Harris fits in now for those of you that were following me on Twitter and my shows, uh, they know that um, uh, Kamala Harris uh, was involved with um, with an agency, uh, with a organization called Times Up that works with little kids. It's like a nonprofit. The Obamas are involved, and it all has to do with little kids. Now, there's an FBI investigation uh, that was uh, being conducted on um, Jussie Smollett, who was part of Times Up, and I've tweeted out that picture many times. That's why I keep saying Times Up, Kamala Harris, um, uh, in regards to child um, exploitation or trafficking. And so Kamala Harris was actually thrown into the mix to block the Chicago investigations. This is why we only see uh, Kim Fox. This is why we only see things like that. That, right. Um, because Tina Chen, chief of staff of Michelle or Mike 
Big Mike, right? She was involved. She was involved with the Justice Malay. And I urge you guys to go back to 2019, January, February, where I talked about Justice Malay. I told you it was a hoax. I said it was a hoax because at that time, the minute that happened, it was so evident that this was an IIA or a reality hack because Cory Booker and Kamala Harris were pushing their lynching bill. And obviously, noose in the nag, bleach on the face, lynching, right? Um, yes, exactly. Gab uh, video is going to be posting Shadowgate for their first video on the platform, which is incredible. Thank you, Torba. That is perfect. Um, so let's move on to, 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 to the Democrats and what they've done. There's a nice segment um, by Laura Ingram that I want to play for you uh, that will tell you more here on that. Well, D George Webb isn't that. Uh, I, I don't want to comment. This just, I don't want to go into those trolley pockets. But um, let's see. Let's start this video here. This is a pretty good segment, guys. I, I like this um, report. Democrats doing everything in their power to avoid telling you what the real plans are if the country actually picks Joe Biden. They trotted out a bunch of old familiar faces in a desperate attempt to reassure Midwest voters that Biden will govern as a moderate. However, after watching tonight's speakers lineup, every American should be alarmed. It was a veritable who's who of failures, each of whom have done immense damage to our country. Now let's start with this blast from the past. When I ran for president in 1976, Joe Biden was my first and most effective supporter in the Senate. He understands that understand dignity, our essential traits, and determine not only our vision, but our actions. More than ever, that's what we need. Well, God bless them, but are Democrats really trying to harken back to the days of double-digit unemployment, inflation, and of course, Jimmy Carter's malaise? Now, what's that say about their platform today? Now, Carter's biggest accomplishment was getting Ronald Reagan elected president. Tonight's lineup was kind of a, a time warp amalgam. It's what it would have looked like if both parties held a joint convention in, let's say, 2004. First up, John Kerry is still reporting for duty. For the eight years of the Obama-Biden administration, we led by example. We eliminated the threat of an Iran with a nuclear weapon. America deserves a president who is looked up to, not laughed at. Well, John Kerry's best known for windsurfing, sending pallets of cash to Iranians, and secretly advising that murderous regime behind the backs of the president and the State Department. Yeah, he had coffee with them in Paris talking about things. Pretty interesting conversation on that one, too. Um, didn't he, like, marry off his daughter to Iran, too? But sure, he really cares about Americans. Oh, wait, wait, there's one more. Another night another former Republican. I support Joe Biden because beginning on day one, he will restore Americans' leadership and our moral authority. He'll be a president who knows that America is strongest when, as he has said, we lead both by the power of our example and the example of our power. First, his endorsing Biden is the most unshocking thing to have happened in the last year, okay? He backed Obama twice, and Hillary in 2016. And he's a nice man and a, and a patriot. He served his country, obviously. But Colin Powell talking about 
the example of our power, really? While America has turned away from the interventionist neocons of yesteryear, the Dems trot out one of the masterminds behind Iraq? You remember the one that wasted trillions of dollars and sent thousands of Americans to their deaths in a quixotic search for WMDs? Is this how Joe's foreign policy would be shaped? Now, the race to the bottom didn't end there. Former acting attorney general Sally Yates, she also made an appearance. 10 days in, I was fired for refusing to defend President Trump's shameful and unlawful Muslim travel ban. That was the start of his relentless attacks on our democratic institutions and countless dedicated public servants. Wait, attacks on our democratic institutions? This is the woman who President Trump fired for putting open borders above the American people. And she helped weaponize the DOJ against the Trump campaign. But last but not least was Bill Clinton, who uttered the one of the least aware lines of the night. And that's saying something. At a time like this, the Oval Office should be a command center instead of the storm center. It's only chaos. <laughs> Wait a second, I don't think you should ever talk about the Oval Office. The man who turned the Oval Office into a mini Playboy mansion probably shouldn't be lecturing Americans about what it should symbolize. He forever disgraced the office of the presidency with his sleazy political arrangements that continued after he left the White House. Now, just today, a new pic was revealed showing Bill Clinton getting a massage from one of Jeffrey Epstein's accusers. Hmm. So I ask, are these really the luminaries that Democrats think best represent their party? The folks, you Americans, want that close to power again? Now, if so, then the choice in November should be an easy one. But we want to go back to the days of economic calamity, malaise, and endless wars? Or do we want to continue the unprecedented prosperity, strong borders, and American renewal of the Trump era? Huh. Funny. It is the command center for the storm because it's right here. It's been here and um, it'll be, I mean, it is hurricane season. So that'll be the great cover too. just saying. So um, what she put together was great. We like it, right? It was pretty good. Ingram did a very good segment on that. Love it. Now, here's another segment about how the DNC uh, conference was pretty much just there to, like, go off on the president. That's basically it. Um, hold on. And we will talk about Greece and Turkey. I have some information. Uh, but that's where I'm going to lead into it with the Biden stuff because I have some really cool stuff about Biden and Turkey. Um, it's, it's, it's quite fascinating. Let's put it that way. Quite fascinating. So let me get that clip up for you. Just a moment. I'm trying to find it because I have these lined up for you, but they're not in order. So I apologize. It's Joe. Okay, um, 
okay. So the DNC, we have Eric Trump, uh, who uh, spoke up uh, how the DNC just launched a series of attacks on the president. I mean, you know, I really like Eric Trump. Uh, he's very smart. He's very articulate. And, you know, he's the son that doesn't get a lot of publicity per se. Um, but I really like what he has to say. He's a man of very few words. What's funny is that actually Biden's platform is far more liberal than Barack Obama's was years ago. And so when we looked at that as an editorial board, we were kind of blown away at how much more similar it is to Bernie Sanders' platform in some ways than Barack Obama in 2008. And we just don't know. Uh, we know it's written. We know who speaks, but we don't know what Joe Biden's actually going to do. So let's bring in Eric Trump, executive vice president of the Trump Organization. Uh, and let me just bring that up to you, Eric. Do you you ran you remember what it was like looking at the platform for Hillary Clinton? You probably took in and we lived through what President Obama wanted to do. What about this? Yeah. Well, Brian, I mean, you literally have a party that's calling law enforcement the Gestapo. They're calling them the KKK, right? They want to defund all police. You have a party that wants socialized medicine. Kamala Harris came out. They said 180 million people, private health care plans gone. You have Biden that wants to increase taxes by four trillion dollars. So 82 percent of people, pretty much anybody who pays taxes in this country, would have their tax you know, rates skyrocket. I mean, where do you want me to stop? They want to get rid of your First Amendment. They want to get rid of your Second Amendment. They are an incredibly radical party. I mean, this is this is not the party of JFK. This is not the party of Bill Clinton. You see them last night. Party of Bill Clinton. Okay. Stop, Eric. No. Okay. So, um, what, what he said, the party of KKK, remember they're trying to make it out like the KKK. Remember how Kamala Harris, you know, said ice is similar to the KKK. Let's not forget that tonight on the screen, you see AOC. I mean, these people are, they're, they're crazy. Some of their policies are, are crazy and would literally destroy this country. Eric, I'm sure you've been watching. Uh, you know, the reviews have been that the virtual conventions are are flat in comparison because there's nobody clapping. There's nobody there. Uh, a lot of it is taped. How yeah. are the Republicans next starting on Monday night going to make it more exciting? I mean, you look at the TV ratings. Uh, I think the broadcast networks were down something close 40 or 50 percent first yeah. night. So what are you going to do? You're from a family of TV producers. Yeah. What are you going to do to get people to watch? Well, it's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, we're not going to be smug, um, you know, which which the other side is. I mean, you, you watch some of these interviews and just kind of the anger that that radiates at some of these people. It's really incredible. Second of all, I mean, examine the people who are speaking. There is not a single person there who that has ever created a single job in their life. In fact, actually, maybe one. Uh, Joe Biden created one job. It's called Hunter Biden. Right. As he as he as he stole money from China and took lots of money and enriched himself right at the behest of the American people. But other than that, these are career politicians. These guys have been in Washington their entire adult life. You have never had a single person that has spoken so far that's created a single job, right? In fact, the exact opposite. Look at AOC who spoke last night. I mean, she cost New York State 25,000 jobs. Amazon was supposed to come in here and bring in billions of dollars in investment. And guess what? She, she effectively scared them out of New York State. I mean, these are washed up career politicians, you know, that have been around forever when you have literally Republicans who are Republicans in the 1980s speaking, you know, and, and you know, they're your keynotes. Hey, give me a break. I mean, these people, these people are phonies. These people are totally part of the swamp. You have no real people there. You've got no real people who have ever created jobs or created manufacturing or have done anything outside of the beltway. 
And I just don't think that's what America's interested in. And, and quite frankly, I think that's why they've fallen on their face. And that's why the ratings are so bad. And I mean, this is it's tough to watch. I mean, it's 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 pretty uh, it's pretty well, you boring. Get your we, turn we, on Monday. Yeah. So we, 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 we do. And it's it, it, it's going to be great. I think you're going to see a lot. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more action. But beyond that, I think you're going to see a lot more diversity of of thought and people and people that aren't from Washington, D.C. and people who haven't been in government for 47 years, their entire adult life and people who have actually accomplished something outside of that city. And um, I think you're going to see a big difference. So Sally Yates was one of the speakers last night who served under the Obama administration. And she testified recently in front of Congress saying that she didn't remember. Remember that Sally Yates also signed off on the FISA warrants. I have that in the article of what you'll find in the FISA warrants on big league politics. So you can see it. Or if it was Biden or or she didn't remember if Biden or Obama had any influence on the Michael Flynn investigation. She was speaking last night, worried about the future of our country. Listen to this. Speaking at a political convention is something I never expected to be doing. But the future of our democracy is at stake. From the moment President Trump took office, he's used his position to benefit himself rather than our country. He's trampled the rule of law, trying to weaponize our Justice Department to attack his enemies and protect his friends. We need a president who respects our laws and the privilege of public service. We need a president who will restore the soul of America. We need Joe Biden. Joe Biden doesn't even know his name. He doesn't even know that he's considered the husband of Jill Biden. He just thinks he's, you know, his own husband. Look at them, the way they're posturing. Can you see it? Isn't it incredible how you can see things now? How you can suss out cons and trolls and lies see keep re-watching Shadowgate you'll see things every single time I know we have to do a watch party maybe we'll do it this weekend um, you know so it can be fun and we can work on it together I mean it's going to be so much fun you guys I'm, I'm saying it's going to be incredible so um, uh, it is incredible what we're seeing it's just simply incredible how I'm looking at all your comments and I'm so glad that I have 900 of you right now that I'm looking at on all platforms. I don't know how many are in D live. I, I can't see it in one place and I've got so many screens open. Um, but I, I can tell you that th this is incredible. Just so you guys are able to see it, these projections, these lies. We all knew that I've told you how they orchestrated to put together Joe Biden so he can block Ukrainian indictments coming down. He is he is standing in the way of us indicting them for embezzling money off the U.S. Uh, uh, take, you know, they, they stole things from us. They stole things from us. OK, they stole our money. They violated moral codes. They infiltrated other nations. They made us, uh, you know, pay for these. They were using our money for themselves, right? They've committed so many crimes. I'm just simplifying them. And now you can see it. You know, you can see it. And it's so incredible to watch all of you watching her speak and knowing what a liar she is. You know, that's the way I felt when Yovanovitch was testifying. And I know all of you didn't see it from that sense because I heard her talking. 
And she was terrified that there were people talking to Julian. She was terrified. Um, so I am so grateful that you guys can see through this. And I'm hoping that so many more can see through all the falsities, the attacks, the lies against the administration and anyone speaking up uh, for this administration. Uh, you know, you can see it now. It's been years. I urge you go back, listen to some of my old shows. You'll see, we've been talking about this for a long time, all in preparation. So you can point it out and pick it out and see it. And this is why the president was very careful on the words chosen that William Barr can choose, right? Where he wants to go in November, mind you in November, when he was nominated, I wrote an article about William Barr. I put it out there and I even said, you know, he may not be confirmed, but if he does, it'll be late February. So I have trust that, you know, late February, maybe March, you know, I have trust and faith in humanity that he may be going out for redemption. I said it. I said it. We're talking 2018 right after he was, everyone's like, oh, you're so dumb. Conspiracy theories. You know, they like to paint me QAnon. I, I don't care. You can paint me anything you want. The bottom line is what I say is true and they're facts and you may not like it. And, um, that's the way it is. You may not like what I have to say because it's truth. And you may not like me because maybe you're upset that you can't, you know, do the same analysis comes from a point of opinion, but also from a point of knowledge. And here we are, all of you now can see everything that we've been talking about on air that I've been tweeting about and writing about, you know, funny how my data was completely annihilated and stolen. And that's a concern because that's theft actually. Um, I don't want to talk about that more. I'm not a bad person and I don't want to, you know, cause more heartache. I just want my stuff and that's it. But, um, it was all there. And it was purposeful that it was down and taken because nobody wants the truth to be out. The truth was there. It was always there, hiding in plain sight. But your eyes weren't trained to see it. And now I'm like so excited as she was speaking how you guys just can see it now. You can see right through her. See, normally you would say, oh, how professional, how awesome. Here you're like, what a setup. What BS is this? Now you can see it. You lied. You signed things. You unmasked. And then you s sent yourself an email to cover. Booch, by the way, I, on Big League, wrote a scathing article about Judge Collier because in April of 2017, she had written a memorandum of opinion, right? A memorandum of opinion, how, oh my gosh, they totally like took advantage of the NSA. And I was telling them, bad people, bad this. They said it was an algorithm issue. Then they said it was a human algorithm issue. She tried to cover her butt the same way Sally Yates did. Sally Yates sent herself an email. And then we had Judge Collier writing a memorandum of opinion years later after she knew exactly what she was signing, right? Right? To cover herself. That's what they do. 
to cover themselves. Oh, and by the way, just so you know, um, most of these people that are operating think they're operating legitimately because there is a shadow government and there was no transition of power. And if remember, I was tweeting about the transition team, about all those people that were still in the White House that were part of um, Barack Hussein Obama's uh, transition team and how they were still reporting. I mean, there's this chick that's like the congressional go-between GSA that awards contracts um that you know has a barack hussein obama and her as a header and she's still there that's the thing it's incredible well so just to answer the question my server was actually um serviced by scott adams's server so he has all my data so i'm just waiting for that to be returned um so that's why i don't have it but, um, you know, he was a friend and he was housing my website, didn't charge me for it, and which was great. And I was really grateful for that. Um, but, yeah, just to answer the question. So I'm just waiting for that. So, yeah, I've, I've asked for that data back. Um, now, yeah, big league politics. That's right. I wrote a lot of stuff in there. I even wrote out how Rod Rosenstein was in Canada and how he was getting together with CGI and the intelligence. But I had to make it pertinent to the now, but still dropping my Easter eggs, okay? By still dropping my Easter eggs, because you have to, right? Yeah, I put it there so that people can see it. But I'm so grateful that you guys saw Yates for what she is. I'm really, really grateful that um, you can see it now. Uh, the bar thing. Okay, what about the bar thing? Um, well, let's just say that he was the attorney general back in uh, the 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 90s and he was the one that created the laws that locked up all the people in the jails this is how they you know did the whole super predator we need to bring them to heal stuff he he wrote those laws and privatized prisons etc and not only that before that he was actually george bush's senior right hand man so he dealt with the whole mina investigation you know he sat down with noriega and had drinks you know maybe one day i could tell you about you know, my trip to Panama. Um, and, um, you know, these are all um, things that, um, you know, we take into consideration. But again, people always have the right to redeem themselves because people are innately good. Remember that. Everybody can be led astray, but, you know, we all make mistakes. And, you um, you know, also Bill Barr is connected to Epstein by way of uh, his dad was actually the superintendent or like principal or headmaster of an all girls school that Jeffrey Epstein was at in New York. And then when Epstein went into that school, suddenly, um, uh, uh, you know, he um, was eliminated. So Bill Barr's dad um, was um, completely um, kicked out of the school after Epstein appeared at this all girls private school in New York. So just so you know, um, I'm also on loomer.com. I have a lot of my articles there about Ukraine that you can see and about Islamic terrorism. I was the one that broke the story that um, Ilhan Omar had a private meeting with the Turkish uh, prime minister and had no American 
American flags and how she was meeting with Rouhani as well, who's the president uh, or premier chief dictator, whatever you want to call him, um, of Iran. So um, I have articles there too. I know that the site has been backed up by a patriot. So maybe this weekend I can work on um, copy and pasting. My concern is my data and my communications and emails because that's private and it's mine. So that's that's more so. I mean, I'd prefer to have the data and just upload it, but whatever. I have tons of little Easter eggs everywhere. Um, so this was great because I was impressed to see that everyone could identify a psychological operation. You see, she's very well trained. Watch all the videos. Here, here's 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 what they had to say on this. What do you say about that when you hear those comments about your dad that he's only benefiting himself and he's protecting his friends? Ainsley, Sally H should be in jail. What she did to my father, what they did to my father, spied on the campaign, he tried fired to take down great men like, like, like Michael Flynn. The irony of that's incredible. You know what the only greater irony was? When Bill Clinton's talking about the sanctity of, of, of the Oval Office. I mean, give me a break. These guys are the, the biggest hypocrites. There's no one that's ever sacrificed more for political office than, frankly, my father. My father needed this job like a hole in the head. But you know what? He was sick and tired of seeing, you know, some of these losers literally flush this, this country down the toilet bad trade deals, giving $150 billion to Iran, you know, signing NAFTA, the worst trade deal ever, costing this country tens of millions of, of jobs, literally losing all manufacturing, losing our economy. I mean, I heard Robert Wolf before. What, what, what a joke that whole thing was. Under Obama-Biden, our GDP was growing at 0.9%. It was, a, it was an absolute joke. In, in, the, in the eight years of Obama-Biden, the Dow went up by 4,000 points. In the three and a half years of my father, the Dow has gone up by 12,000 points. I, I, I just don't want to hear it from these people. And, and there's no one that's ever sacrificed more than he has, you know, personally, professionally, financially. Look at these people. They're all living in beautiful houses on the water in Wilmington, Delaware. You know, right? And they've been public servants their entire adult lives. I mean, how, how has that happened? And they've only sought to enrich their families. You see... Mm. You know, Hunter Biden taking $1.5 billion out of China, getting $600,000 a year working with a little oil and gas company right. in Ukraine. And I mean, come on, guys, it's it's it, the, the hypocrisy here is incredible. He just saved money. He took the train and brought his own lunch and you end up with a mansion and a compound. Yeah. I guess, Everybody I guess, knows. I guess you get a mansion. Then. Simple form, simple formula. Uh, Eric, thanks so much. But he's avoiding to pay child support, whatever, right? Um, and he bought, was it a dollar, $14? How much did he buy his like mansion for? See, that's the thing. You know, we're, we're, we're starting to see how, um, you know, it, all of this is coming full circle. How you are starting to see how um, everything has been put together, right? We're seeing it. We're seeing their plan. We can step. We're ten steps ahead of them, as you can see. So let's um, let's quickly go to hold on. Um, Mark Meadows. I just wanted to say on the voting. I really wanted to play this clip before we get into um, Iraq and Turkey um, to close. I guess we'll do three hours. Whatever. Um, uh, we'll go to Mark Meadows about the protest. Um, and voting in person because that was really silly, right? They're telling us that we can't vote in person, but we can wear masks because they're safe and we have to wear masks because apparently they're safe, which is dumb. And um, uh, uh, 
they don't want us wearing masks and going to vote, but we can do everything else with masks. Now, the EO that Trump signed has, yes, indeed, and we've already seized. This is why they're so upset. We have filled up our coffers. We're coming up with money. Uh, we've taken over the Federal Reserve. And if you look back, what were we talking about? Solid gold, the golden era that was to come after the 2020 elections. Talked about this in 2018, see, because the past proves what is now happening in the future, but the future proves what we say about the past, right? Because your past depicts your future and your future is a reflection of what's in the past. So they prove each other. All you have to do is look back now with fresh eyes and you can see it. So um, here is what uh, Mark Meadows had to say. The staff, good morning to you. Good morning. Great to be with you, Angela. Good to see you. All right. So you heard John Kerry knocking his foreign policy. Bill Clinton say uh, coronavirus. It's just been chaotic. What's the White House's response? Well, uh, when you look at John Kerry talking about foreign policy and how he made Iran supposedly a safe nation, not a single American believes that. This is the only president who actually went after a terrorist and took him out. How do we know that? We saw it in real time where this president took on a threat. And and Iran is the the state sponsor, the the preeminent state sponsor of terror. And yet uh, John Kerry is supposedly going to applaud the the efforts of the Obama administration. It's been this president who has acted not just domestically, but on foreign policy. We saw that just uh, a few days ago with a historic deal between the UAE and Israel, uh, something that only John Kerry would hope for. But this president continues to deliver, and yet the Democrats continue to blame this president for a number of problems. You, you hear about the economy. Not a single American believes that they, that pr- uh, President Trump inherited a good economy. He made a great economy, and he's doing it again in this V-shaped recovery. You know, what's interesting is uh, John Kerry, total tone deaf, when he talks about bloopers overseas, He's the one who broke his leg riding a bike in France when he should have been working. And the guy he's endorsing, there's not enough editors in the world to put all his bloopers together on one reel. But when you look at what happened, people should understand how Israel was isolated, how he was trying to jam this some peace deal down their throats. And what he did to had to sacrifice to get the Iranian deal, which Senator Cardin and Senator Schumer didn't sign off on. Well, you're exactly right, uh, Brian. And as we look at what this president has done on the national stage, you know, President Obama went around the world on an apology tour. And what we see is this president is bringing back not only the preeminence here domestically, but uh, from a foreign policy standpoint, again, Israel safer, the Middle East is safer, the United States is safer. I can tell you when this president came in, one of the things that kept me up every night was the fact that North Korea Uh, had made unbelievable overtures towards this country. And yet this president took the bold action to not only go there and engage, but to make sure that Americans are safer. And he needs to be applauded for it instead of ridiculed by some virtual uh, uh, televised uh, prop last night. uh, Talking about an apology tour, uh, essentially the president this week has been taking a victory tour. Uh, Yesterday he went to Yuma, Arizona to celebrate the fact that uh, on his watch we've got 300 miles of brand new wall, something that Joe Biden really doesn't want. Here's the president yesterday. Watch this, Mark. Joe Biden is the puppet of the radical left-wing movement that seeks the complete elimination of America's borders and boundaries. 
They want to take the wall down. They don't want to have borders. They want to have sanctuary cities. Lots of bad things they want, following orders from his boss. I guess his new boss is Bernie Sanders. Can you believe that? Well, a lot of uh, Bernie Sanders' platform is now the Democrats' platform. Mark, uh, when you look at the general policies, the differences between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, what are the top three things, aside from immigration, that people should think about? Well, this president delivers on his uh, on his promise. And you mentioned immigration. We were there celebrating the 300th mile on a wall that no one said could be built. But this president said he would build it. When we look at jobs and wages going up, this president not only delivered. When we look at trade deals, he says that we're going to put America workers first. He did exactly that, did a historic trade deal. The list goes on and on. We've got an embassy in Jerusalem that that previous presidents had only promised this president delivered uh, the list. We, we not only can we make a long list of what this president has done, but we can make a longer list of what he will do in the next four years. And that's why the American people will, will certainly vote him in on November 3rd. So, Mark, uh, as Brian was saying earlier, he said, I can't believe we're talking about the post office. And that's that's such a heated debate uh, now in this election, but it is. And the Postmaster General said the operational changes at the U.S. Postal Services um, are going to be postponed until after the election. And he says, quote, to avoid even the appearance of any impact on election mail, I am suspending these initiatives until after the election is concluded. And then you have these state attorney generals that are suing the Trump administration over this issue. What's your reaction? Well, they should be suing the Obama administration. Listen, this postmaster general did the right thing, said we're going to put these uh, these decisions, these operational decisions on hold. But they're not President Trump's operational decisions. They came from 2011 under the Obama administration. And now all of a sudden there's outrage in this, you know, this uh, unbelievable uh, uh uprising with Democrats there on Capitol Hill where they're saying, oh, my gosh, this is a big problem. Nancy Pelosi did nothing. She knows that she did nothing. And now she's going to have a chance to fix it because here's the president's willing to do this. He wants to make the post office great again. I want all the postal workers to hear that. He wants to help you and he wants to make sure you have the proper funding. And he'll and you'll get a chance to do that because the Democrats, when they come in and want funding for the post office, mm -hmm. not only will we we ask for that. We will say that we need to help small businesses. We need to put money back in people's uh, pocket with uh, uh, perhaps a skinny deal that we can make sure that checks go out. Uh, let's go ahead and do that. I call on Nancy Pelosi to not only finally fix the post office, but let's find the things that are hurting Americans across the country because of this pandemic. Let's pass a skinny bill. We'll be here on Saturday. Hopefully they will with a negotiating heart. Yeah, maybe see the Senate might help too. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, the business model doesn't work. It's no one's fault. It doesn't work. It doesn't mean your post letter carrier's lazy or some people, they're not bad people. It doesn't work. So it's got to be fixed. And I know you're suing New Jersey for because they have decided to, to vote by mail. And if you show up in person, it's now provisional. What do you hope to accomplish there? 
Well, listen, uh, if you if it's okay to show up to protest, it's certainly okay to show up and vote in person. And we we see Democrats with this hypocritical point that says somehow that we we shouldn't be able to show up at the polling place and, and cast a vote. That's just ridiculous. Here's what we do need. Give them some options where mail-in voting, if they request an absentee vote, we want to certainly encourage them. The post office will be ready to, to deliver those ballots. But we also want to say that if you show up in person or if you drive up in curbside, right. you know, you should have the ability to do that uh, for states to make these decisions. What about extending the days and having November 2nd and November 3rd to give people social distancing? Um, guys, OK, I just wanted to, did we not talk about this like over a month ago, like how I said, why not extend it for people to go for the social distancing? I guess a lot of people listen to Tori says, huh? If that's their worry. What about well, what about proposing something that takes the pandemic into into account? Well, Brian, that's what these secretaries of state should be doing. And I can tell you in my home state of North Carolina, we have early voting. So there are not really the long lines that you see. You can show up for two or three weeks ahead, show up and actually cast your vote in, in person. You can request an absentee ballot. Listen, there are plenty of ways to do this, but the secretaries of state need to understand it's not the post office's fault. It's not Donald Trump's fault. And it's certainly not the new postmaster general who has only been on the yeah. on the job for less than two months before you go uh, the segment before this one mark i'm sure you saw the video where the guy in the truck in portland is yeah. beaten unconscious it is absolutely terrible what they're doing there there's a manhunt they're trying to find out uh, where the guy is and the guy who does all the uh, the violence right here um can you explain to me why the Democrats have not denounced violence in the cities, uh, you know, particularly during their their uh, convention? Are they afraid it's they're going to come off as as pro police? Because what we're seeing right there is so anti-American. Well, it's anti-American. This president, I traveled with him yesterday to Arizona, as you know, not only once, but a dozen times. He says, we've got to do something about it. We sent in the FBI. Uh, we spoke to uh, DOJ Attorney General Barr yesterday as it relates to that. Right. But they're too busy talking about defunding the police yeah. instead of making our community safe. It's time that they stand up and say that this is wrong. All Americans see it. You see it. I see it. And it's, it's time that they side with President Trump and say, we're going to make our community safe again. You might put federal agents back there. Yeah, we, I, it looks like we're going to have to. They're not doing the, the job that they're doing. Obviously, uh, when we look at that, we want to make sure that not just Portland's safe, but every city across the country is safe. And as we look at that, we're we're going to uh, work with our lo local police uh, departments to make sure that that the kind of events that you saw there on social media and the video video doesn't happen again. All right. That hatred and violence. It's so hard to watch. That's someone's child. It is. You know, that's it how is. I look at things. Thanks so much, Mark, for children, right? That are supposed to be off limits, whatever. Uh, but, you know, it sounds like they're on the right track in regards to talking points because, you know, we talked about how they can uh, the create and extend the voting so that, um, you know, uh, there is a um, more, um, how do we say, uh, social distancing, giving that safety, because remember, these poor people think they're going to die from coronavirus. They're terrified. And so um, this is why 
you know, we need to give people options. Mail-in ballots are not the same as absentee. You actually have to register. They have to confirm who you are before you get it. So if you want to vote by mail because you're terrified, file for an absentee ballot. It'll come to you. They'll mail it to you and you can drop the ballot period, because you're terrified of coronavirus, or you can go in person. And if they spread the the elections to say, we're opening up the polls for you from like October 25th, uh, so that way we have uh, closing the polls on November 3rd, then people have time to go. Uh, so that's the way it is. Um, so uh, I wanted to move on so we can close uh, three hours. I know everyone has been always asking for three hours. Um, the um, domestic side with uh, William Barr actually going to Kansas City on Wednesday. Um, I wanted to play that clip. He had uh, statements about Operation Legend and how many um, arrests they made and murder suspects they have. It's it's pretty incredible. I, I don't know if this video has it, but I. I will read to you the Justice Department's um, thing. I'll pull it up while this plays, okay? Discussing the status of Operation Legend, that operation named after four-year-old Legend Talaferro who was shot and killed in Kansas City on June 29th. And our Abigail James is joining us live this morning. She is downtown in KC Mo with more on today's press conference. Abby, what are we expecting to find out here? Yeah, well, that press conference will be held here downtown at the... At the uh, um, at the courthouse at 11 o'clock this morning. U.S. Attorney Tim Garrison will be here as well as other U.S. attorneys across the country. Now, there have been questions surrounding Operation Legend's arrest numbers due to conflicting reports. There have also been questions about the effectiveness. It's been said there's been nearly 200 arrests with this operation, more than 50 arrests involving drugs and some guns, a number they say they expect to grow daily. We will have a KCTV5 crew at the press conference today and plan to ask questions regarding this. Now, Operation Legend is a federal effort of several agencies uh, to reduce crime as Kansas City sees, uh, sees a record homicide cases. Now, where the city stands in homicide cases, coming up. Reporting live, Abigail James, KCTV5 News. Okay, so I'm pulling up that report for you guys now. Um, I'm just getting the uh, an announcement on Operation Legend. I was just looking to see if I can put pull the original one. But Fox News did a write-up, and they said that at least 207 people have been charged with a federal crime and more than a 1,000 arrests made uh, in metro, major metropolitan Thank cities. Thank you, Tim, and oh. good morning, everyone. Uh, major metropolitan cities. I'm going to just play that video quickly so you can see it and hear it. Give me a moment so I can share the screen of this Fox article that actually has William Barr talking about it. This it, It's incredible what they've done. I know that they've uh, launched Operation Legend um, to other cities. Uh, Kansas City, Missouri is one of them. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio is another one. Um, you know, they're rounding them all up. I mean, these are domestic terrorists and they have committed some great crimes. And so it's important that they get held accountable for these crimes. Um, because terrorizing the population is unacceptable. Terror is how you resonate on low fear and make bad judgments. This is how they took away most of the rights to the afforded to US citizens uh, after 9-11. And then they hijacked them with the whole Snowden thing just to top it off. So here's William Barr. Thank you. Thank you, Tim, and good morning, everyone. And I'm pleased to, to be here in Kansas City this morning to give you an update 
on Project Legend, Operation Legend, one of the most significant law enforcement operations in the Department of Justice. And I'd like to thank Chief Smith, the chief of the Kansas City Police Department, for his superb leadership and for hosting me uh, today. We, we launched Operation Legend in Kansas City, and one of the key factors in that decision was that we were working with a superb police department and outstanding police leadership. Three weeks ago, we've substantially expanded Operation Legend, and we are now underway in nine U.S. cities. As Tim mentioned, the operation is named for Legend Talaferro, a four-year-old boy who was shot while he was asleep in his apartment. For us, Legend is a symbol of the many hundreds of innocent lives that have been taken in the recent upsurge of crime in many of our urban areas. His life mattered and the, the lives of all of those victims matter. His name should be remembered and his senseless death, like those of all the other innocent victims uh, in this recent surge, should be unacceptable to all Americans. Through Operation Legend, the federal government has dispatched to the nine cities, to no, these nine cities, more than a thousand additional agents to work shoulder to shoulder with our state and local partners. And when I say shoulder to shoulder, I mean literally. I just had the pleasure uh, of visiting the Kansas City Police Department and meeting the homicide squads, the four homicide squads and the two assault squads and visiting with them, the Kansas City Police detectives on those squads, but embedded with those squads are FBI agents, DEA agents and ATF agents working literally shoulder to shoulder with them to crack these cases. Here in Kansas City, for example, there are 185 additional agents from the FBI, DEA, ATF, and the U.S. Marshals. Also, to support this operation, we've allocated $78.5 million in grants and other funds made available to our state and local partners. These grants, for example, go to support additional police positions. In some states, we have used them to hire more prosecutors. And we have also used them, uh, these funds uh, to bring to bear some improved technology uh, to help us solve these crimes, particularly in the area of firearms crimes. We saw one result of those efforts last week when Kansas City police arrested the suspected murderer of legend. The arrest was the product of very hard work by the Kansas City police and was supported uh, by critical assistance uh, from the FBI. This arrest will bring, will not bring legend back, uh, but it will make his case an example of how we can come together to take violent criminals off the street and to make our communities safer. Legend's mother and father are here. And uh, when I met her in Washington, I promised Sharon that 
Legend's death would not be in vain, and he will inspire us to greater efforts to make Kansas City safe. And Sharon said that she also strongly supported expanding our efforts beyond Kansas City so that other communities around the country can be made safer. So I'm here today with not only Tim, the U.S. Attorney here in Kansas City, but the Deputy Director of the FBI, David Bowditch, who was instrumental in launching Operation Legend. And the other U.S. attorneys from Chicago, St. Louis, Detroit, Cleveland, Memphis, Milwaukee, Indianapolis, and Albuquerque. They're deeply committed to this operation, and we have some encouraging early results. To start, I'd like to put things in a bit of context. The most basic duty of government is to provide for the safety of the community. 1991 and 1992, first time I was attorney general, violent crime rate that year was at an all-time high in the United States. It's never been higher. And for the three decades leading up to the, that year, violent crime had tripled in the United States. At that time, we made the decision in the federal government to dr dramatically increase our role to focus on combating violent crime. And we launched a series of initiatives focused on drugs, drug organizations, gangs, and gun offenders. And we also expanded our close collaboration with state and local law enforcement and built up task forces to go after these violent offenders and predators. And over the next 25 years, the crime has steadily fallen, and it's now half of the level it was in 1991 and 1992. That's a lot of lives that have been saved. Now, in 2015 and 16, it went up a little bit, but I'm happy that at least during the last three years of this administration, it again is on a downward trajectory except for this year, 2020. Well, the, you know, we haven't finished the year yet, and we haven't looked at all the nationwide numbers reported yet. This could be a bad year for violent crime, an arrest, a trend that, as I say, has been going on for almost 30 years. This spike may have a lot of reasons behind it. I think some of it may be the pent-up aggression uh, prompted by state and local quarantine orders. I definitely feel a lot of it is due to the premature release of dangerous criminals by the courts and by prosecutors. And uh, I think it also is related to the efforts that we've recently seen to demonize police and to defund their work. Operation Legend is the heart of the federal government's response to this upturn in violent crime. Its mission is to save lives, solve crimes, and take violent offenders off the streets before they can claim more victims. Rather than demonizing and defunding our police, we are supporting and strengthening our law enforcement partners at the state and local level. So far, federal state uh, 
task forces involved in Operation Legend have made almost 1,500 arrests. I think it's 1,485 to be precise. Many of those arrests are for violent state crimes, including 90 homicides, like Legend's murderer. That's more than 90 suspected killers who might still be on the streets without Operation Legend. And in many cities, as I said, the operation is just getting started. We make decisions as we go along in consultation and jointly with our state partners as to whether it makes more sense to pursue a, a case through the state prosecution system or through the federal system. So prisoners are charged in both under this operation. Those arrested, we have charged more than 200 for federal crimes, and that includes more than 100 charged for federal gun crimes, 21 of which have been here in Kansas City. Now, bringing federal charges is helpful because in many states, it is very hard now, today, to keep violent criminals in pretrial detention. They're just let right out on the street again. But in the federal system, we have a better ability to hold on to violent offenders, keep them in custody, pending disposition of their case. This is critical for community policing. We hear a lot of talk from people about how important community policing is, and it is. And good police departments have that. But the essential ingredient for it is that the community feels safe when they're dealing with the police and they're providing information to the police. And what typically happens is that where there is no pretrial detention and people in the community feel that the criminals are going to be right back out on the street within hours, they're extremely hesitant to work closely with the police. So this is a very important tool. It's a tool that the states need. But during this period with such high murder rate, we're stepping forward so that we can help keep some of these offenders off the streets. And it's also important because in far too many states, the sentences are too lenient and do not incapacitate these violent criminals long enough and do not provide a deterrent and do not encourage them to cooperate once they're captured. In the federal system, we have very strong sentences for violent crimes, and that, that helps us get further information on these uh, offenders. And criminals know that. They know that the federal system means business, and we're putting them out of business of violence in our cities. Our work is just getting started. Well, let me just pause and say uh, there have been a number of photographs of, of guns appearing on this on this screen and one of the important developments of legend has been the seizure of hundreds and hundreds of firearms in our legend city cities here in here in uh, Kansas City I think we're 78 firearms have been um, seized and as you can tell these are not pop guns a lot of these are high-powered AR-15 type guns with huge magazines, drum magazines. So getting them off the street is saving lives. And we are using very sophisticated ballistic investigation technology to pursue more than 500 leads to solve 
more gun crimes. So our work is just getting started. There is more important, there's no more important mission for the Department of Justice than keeping our communities safe. And through this operation, we're going to continue working with our state and local partners to do just that. And he did great, didn't he? And that's what they're going to continue to do. These are all the sealed indictments that have been around. Obviously, we have a lot more going on uh, because um, the whole, you know, Antifa sunrise movement, it's just moving and moving and moving. So we're really grateful that things are happening because we need order in chaos or organized chaos, if that makes sense, because human beings can never be orderly. Uh, each of us are individual yet connected because we're all one in the same because we're we go on we go all right so it, it, every every move we make every um everything we do affects those around us and uh that's you know something that it's so hard for people to just take in and understand correctly. So now shifting gears so we can end this, um, uh, this episode of Tori says, I wanted us to go to a resurfaced footage about Joe Biden's plan for Turkey. This is super fun to listen to. Okay. Um, because we're going to start talking, we're going to talk about Iraq and Turkey. Wait, let's go to Iraq first and then we'll go to Turkey so we can finish, uh, the show. Um, so let's go to the meeting of Pompeo and um, uh, the Iraqi prime minister. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I said this was going to happen, and I know what the Iraqis want is to be independent. They don't want to be dependent. They have enough to sustain themselves and be a, a contributor and a competitor on a global market. Why can't we all compete with each other healthily, right? We can have healthy relationships, create and formulate bilateral agreements between each other. Uh, so that way we can all thumb. If we all work together, all nations, kind of like in neighborhoods, you are there to help your neighbor, right? Well, our states are there to help other states. Our nation should be with other nations. We should be competing all together because there's so much to go around. I don't know why people think that there isn't enough to go around. There is so much abundance and yet we're being told that it's restrictive, uh, which is a lie that has been perpetuated through the beginning of time by those who seek power. Take a listen. Back in June of this year, uh, the state of our partnership is very strong. We're committed to helping Iraq achieve economic prosperity, freedom from foreign meddling in its internal affairs, and improve relationships with its neighbors as well. This is what the Iraqi people want too, a stable, prosperous, independent Iraq, an Iraq which is for Iraqis, and the Iraqis who protested last year couldn't have made that any more clear. We, we touched on religious freedom, a priority for the Trump administration, and the key to the Iraqi nation's flourishing. As Iraq moves forward from the ISIS persecution and genocide, the U.S. is helping the most vulnerable, including Christians, Yazidis, and Shabak, recover. We devoted almost half a billion dollars to help restore these communities. Yet there's still work to do. Armed groups not under the full control of Prime Minister have impeded our progress. Those groups need to be replaced by local police as soon as possible. I assured Dr. Fouad that we could help and that we would help. 
Our contributions come in addition to other humanitarian assistance which we've provided to Iraq. And it's only fitting that today, World Humanitarian Day, that I can announce that the US AID will provide an additional $204 million for life-saving food, safe drinking water, and health care for the Iraqi people. Part two of the private investments that are being made, uh, we look forward to the day when Iraq won't need assistance, government assistance, and will be fully supported by uh, foreign investment and their own great work that the Iraqi people do. We want an Iraq that's corruption-free, prosperous, and fully integrated into the global economy. I urged Baghdad to clinch a budget deal with the Kurdistan regional government. We also had good discussion on Iraq's energy sector, a major driver of economic activity in Iraq. We anticipate announcements on energy deals between U.S. companies and Iraqi government shortly. In our political dialogue, I emphasize the importance of the rule of law, functioning government and re regular electoral processes. The United States supports the Iraqi government as it prepares for early parliamentary elections. We're discussing ways to provide substantial support to the UN assistance mission for Iraq for just that purpose. We talked too about how the United States and Iraq can work together to make Iraq more safe and stable. The United States is committed to supporting Iraq's security forces, including through the NATO mission and the global coalition to defeat ISIS, to curb the power of militias that have for far too long terrorized the Iraqi people and undermined Iraq's national sovereignty. We can see a future when American tourists visit Iraq historical sites, when our military men and women attend each other's military staff colleges. And towards these ends, we discussed how the United States could help preserve Iraq's rich cultural heritage and religious diversity and support education in Iraq as well. We share not only goals and sacrifices with Iraqi friends, but also a vision and hope. These ideals are the foundation for a thriving, steady partnership, which is making good progress. Thank you, Dr. Fouad. The floor is yours. Thank you very much. Shukran jazeelan ma'ali al-wazir wa shukran li hussan al-istakbal. Al-yawm tamma itlaq jawla al-thaniya للحوار الاستراتيجي بين وفد الحكومه العراقيه ووفد حكومه الولايات المتحده الامريكيه وكان لنا لقاء جيدا ومهما مع معالي الوزير وتطرقنا في اللقاء الى مجموعه من القضايا التي تخص الوضع العراقي وال Okay, so guys, I was hoping that they would be dubbing this, and unfortunately, those of you that are watching it, you can see that Translate's not really on. So what he's talking about is that um, he's saying that, um, you know, the, you know, he mentioned all these people and said, because I didn't write it down, I wasn't transcribing, I was waiting for someone to speak over him. Um, he said that, you know, we're discussing to see how Iraq can move forward, more of the independence. <laughs> والوضع السياسي بصورة عامة والوضع الأقليمي بالإضافة إلى قضايا تتعلق بالعلاقات الاقتصادية وكيفية مكافحة كورونا وفي الحوار الاستراتيجي الذي بدأ اليوم هناك محاور حول هذه المسائل وتأكيد على العمل المشترك في مجالات مختلفة 
الولايات المتحدة والعراق كنا في خندق واحد في محاربة داعش ولا زلنا في هذا الخندق وسنعمل معا لدحر القوات الإرهابية أو الفصائل الإرهابية أو الإرهابية المسلحة في العراق وأكدنا على استمرارية التعاون في هذا المجال في مجال محاربة الإرهاب وتم تأكيد أيضا Okay, so obviously there's no talk over and I'm kind of rusty on Arabic. That's not uh, primary. But what I can tell you is he's just discussing everything they're going to be talking about from the coronavirus epidemic to uh, Iraq's national sovereignty um, to defuse like militias. And, you know, they have um, their, their the discussions are positive um, for this and how important uh, it is that they work together, um, that they're both together in regards to fighting ISIS and, you know, expelling terrorism in essence. And, um, uh, the country, uh, itself though, um, he was inching like they still need like monetary support and stuff like that. So let's go to where Pompeo starts to speak. And there are questions. Um, here we go. Uh, uh, he said thank you. <laughs> okay. Go to questions now. I will start with uh, Zina Ibrahim from Al Arakia. Right behind you is the microphone. Secretary Pompeo, thank you very much. You discussed in the first strategical dialogue that there will be a reduction of U.S. forces in Iraq. Is there a timetable and is there specific numbers? Thank you. So we don't we don't have any announcements to make with respect to numbers, but I would urge uh, everyone as we've gone through the strategic dialogue not to focus on that. Uh, the the real focus is on the joint efforts that we're making along. Uh, every dimension, whether that's economic efforts, humanitarian assistance efforts, security assistance, all, all of those things. Uh, we continue to understand that the Iraqi people need that. The Iraqi people's sovereignty depends on a continued American commitment to support them and provide that assistance to them. We're, we're determined to do that. مذكرة تفاهم أو تعاون مع شفرون أعتقد سوف يوقع اليوم نعم كارول مورello واشنطن بوست كارول there's a microphone right behind you thank you uh, mr secretary when will you be going to new york to begin the process of triggering snapback sanctions against iran and can you explain how you intend to enforce them without full security council backing they seem to have given every signal that they are simply going to ignore them. And so what are you going to do to make it happen? And Mr. Foreign Minister, do you agree with the United States on the need for snapback sanctions against Iran? And how will that impact Iraq? Thank you. Uh, so Carol, I don't have any announcement on uh, timing on, on when we're gonna do. We, President's made clear we're gonna, uh, we're gonna do that soon and, uh, and, and we, we will. Um, second, 
Uh, these will be fully valid, enforceable UN Security Council resolution. We have every expectation that they'll be enforced just like every other UN Security Council resolution that is in place. You have to remember, 2231 isn't a US document. It is a UN Security Council document. It has a set of provisions, it has a set of rights and obligations, and uh, we will be in full compliance with that. And we have every expectation that every country in the world will live up to its obligations, including every member of uh, the P5 and every member of the UN that will take seriously the international commitments to which they have signed up for. Uh, it's a longstanding commitment of the United States to do that. We, we, uh, we are confident that every country will see that it is in their best interest that UN Security Council Resolution 2231 is fully enforced as it uh, is a valid extant continuing set of obligations. And so uh, the enforcement mechanisms will be just the same enforcement mechanisms we have for all of the UN Security Council resolutions. Uh, with respect to the uh, United, State, United States policy vis-a-vis -vis Iran and the impact of this policy on the situation in Iraq. First of all, we are talking about Iraqi policy, and I am not here to talk about U.S. policy. So uh, his, his Excellency, the Secretary, can talk about uh, the U.S. policy. With respect to the Iraqi policy, we see that the United States of America is an ally and a strong ally for Iraq. And we will continue to protect this alliance and to deepen it and expand it. And regarding Iran, Iran is a neighboring country to Iraq. And as a result, there are ties pertaining to geography, history, culture, economy, and the Iraqi policy or Iraq's foreign policy is based out of Iraq's national interest. We want to have good, good relations with our neighbors, provided that uh, nobody interferes in Iraq's affairs and the Iraqi decision will be made by the Iraqis. And we want to protect our alliances and relations with others, including the United States of America. Thank you, everyone. Okay, so they terminated the questions, and now we're going to have, uh, you know, him tomorrow. It's it's really, this is huge, and I told you the UAE was just the beginning. That's why they were asking questions about the UAE getting what? F-35s. We have those F-35s, F-35s that Turkey is not getting, the F-35s that everyone is salty about, the F-35s that we are now expanding allegiance. We're not going to leave them hanging. That's the way it is. Now, um... I just um, was sent a text message that, um, you know, we were talking about Rudy Giuliani and how they were scared of him and stuff like that. I guess a lot of people listen to Tory says, you know, they creep into the room, duck out. Well, it turns out he will be confirming some of my reporting about the Ukraine today. He actually tweeted it out because that's what's up, because that's actual news. I've been talking about it for a while. So anyway, let's move over. Let's move. To now we go to this old Joe Biden video where he talks about Turkey because we need to wrap this up uh, with Turkey because I don't want to like, bleed into five hours, even though there's so much to say today. Um, so let me find this um, video. Gosh darn it. Hold on. Let me find it again. I really... Um, I really love this because it's so important to remember what people say. 
politicians, they like to talk smack a lot. Take a listen to this. Oops, you can't take a listen to it unless I unmute that. There we go. We can support those elements of the Turkish leadership that still exist and get more from them and embolden them to be able to take on and defeat Erdogan. What I think we should be doing is taking a very different approach to him now, making it clear that we support opposition leadership, making it clear that we are in a position where we have a way in which was was working for a while to integrate the Kurdish population who wanted to participate in the process in the in the con in, in, in their parliament, etc. Because we have to speak out about what we in fact think are wrong. He has to pay a price. He has to pay a price for whether or not we're going to continue to sell certain weapons to him. In fact, if he has the air defense system that they're flying F-15 through to see how they can try to figure out how to do it. So I'm very concerned about it. I'm very concerned about it. But I'm still of the view that if we were to engage more directly like I was doing with them, that we can support those elements of the Turkish leadership that still exist and get more from them and embolden them to be able to take on and defeat Erdogan, not by. A OK, are you he's saying not by a coup, but that's actually a definition of a coup, coup, not by a coup, but by the electoral process. We have to make it clear that if they're looking to because at the end of the day, Turkey doesn't want to have to rely on Russia. They've had a bite out of that up a long time ago. But they're going to understand that we're not going to continue to play with them the way we have. So I am very concerned. I am very concerned. I'm very concerned about our airfields and access to them as well. And I think it takes an awful lot of work for us to be able to get together with our allies in the region and deal with how we isolate his actions in the region, particularly in the Eastern Mediterranean this is actually a coup. What he's describing is a coup. Leading to oil and a whole range of other things which take too long to win. So, okay. So I don't know how many of you are on Twitch, but I would love for you if you can clip that and send it to me um, on Telegram because I want to tweet that video out because what he is describing is a coup. And this is how um, things... See, there's a lot of news sometimes that gets buried and nobody talks about it. One example was when I was describing about the Russian national at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow that her announcement was uh, announced in 2018 of August, even though she was arrested in August of 2017. You know, it was announced later so that no one knows. So this was kept on the down low, right? Um, and now being reported on. Are you seeing how this works? Because when you say it, you can't unsay it. And when you tweet it, you can't untweet it. So you know why this is good? Because Turkey is not good peeps, right? They're the Muslim Brotherhood. They want to take out Egypt. They want to expand the Ottoman Empire. They're demanding, uh, you know, rights on continental shelves in maritime waters that aren't theirs because they said so. Okay. Because they said so. And, um, Right now, uh, you know, there's remember how many times have I said about Turkey? Nobody likes them. 
And Biden is the representation of the stance that the EU and the rest of them have. I told you that, didn't I? I told you that they're like the kid that pissed in the well in the village and no one wants to talk to him because he just contaminated all the water. That's how everybody feels about Turkey. And they allowed them to sit there. They gave them the keys to the kingdom because either way, while they were dumping money to create the pipelines to drain oil and natural gas from the East and the Middle East and Africa and create their railroads, they kept Turkey subdued. And now what's up? Now when it comes to the point, they're like, we have the keys to the kingdom. We can shut everything down. Ooh, we're in it with Russia. They gave us S-400s. Ooh, when it, we're in it with America because President Trump says I'm the best. Ooh, we're in it with the UN because they just gave us Tripoli. It's like, can you see that all these people are sitting on different camps? It can't be that you're okay with everyone. That means you're in the pooper with everyone. So here is where they come out in the real teeth show. And this was a coup that they were orchestrating that coup. It was orchestrated because they were terrified because they believed that everything that was being done that they created was there. Independence, man. What has the president always campaigned on? What did he tell them at the UN? Focus on your own nation. Beef up your own people. Be con competitive in a global market. Don't just sit there and 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 abide and bow down because you're going to end up like Australia, New Zealand, with lockdown and military police like they are now. So this is a, a big deal, really big deal. So um, here's a short clip of uh, Secretary Pompeo. And his meeting with the Greek foreign minister on Turkey. Let me see if they actually, here we go. Oh, let me unmute that. Oops, shoot. I pinned it like an idiot. Unmute, there we go. All right, here we are. No. Why is it not playing? Is there no sound? Okay, there is. Okay. Today, um, today's events have been dense but productive. Συναντήθηκα πριν από λίγη ώρα με τον Αμερικανό συναδελφό μου, τον Υπουργό Εξωτερικών κύριο Μάικ Πομπέο. I just met um, with my counterpart, um, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Η σαφής τοποθέτηση του State Department. Then, the clear position of the State Department uh, leaves no room for speculation. And I had the opportunity to thank him for his uh, clear position of the United States and the State Department. Του ανέπτυξα την κατάσταση που επικρατεί στην Ανατολική Μεσόγειο. I explained to him the situation that's happening in the Eastern Mediterranean. Ως γνωστόν, η Τουρκία κλιμακώνει την παραβατική της συμπεριφορά. As, um, as it's known, Turkey is escalating their presence uh, in the area. Επιδιώκει έτσι την επιβολή τελεσμένων. And this is how they are, you know, entering in aggressively and militarizing their positions. Με τον πιο προφανή τρόπο την έλλειψη νομικών επιχειρημάτων από την πλευρά της. And they're getting aggressive without any legal foundations to their claims. Τόνισα στον κύριο Πομπέο, όπως και στους Ευρωπαίους. I annotated to Secretary Pompeo and the Europeans. Συνομιλητές μου, ότι η Τουρκία είναι η μόνη υπέτεια για την κλιμάκωση της... 
uh, explain to them that Turkey is the only reason that this has escalated. For the escalations and tensions in the Eastern Mediterranean. And they are... Well, he... Damn it. Why did you say it like that? So it's going to come out really, really aggressive. But he's like, and they should, like, I demand or in a demanding way, they need to exit our uh, territories. And it's a mandate um, in order for us to de-escalate the situation. So basically we're at war. And if you don't want to go to full-blown war, you better get out, is what he's saying. I have to say that I'm satisfied for the, for, okay, so he's satisfied that the other nations are condemning Turkey for their behavior. And the support that Greece and Cyprus is getting. He says that we've made a lot of demands and requests from our European counterparts, and we're going to be discussing it at the end of the month in Berlin. And the goal of that is to have um, uh, some kind of tool in place, or what he means by that is like a plan that can be executed in place. That will help um, reign in Turkey and put them on the path of being legal or uh, using legal avenues. So the conversations that we're having with Turkey are always being shot down or overcast with their um, aggressive uh, threats that they, you know, follow up with. And um, at this conference, I sat and I presented all their activities uh, that are aggressive. Oops. Shoot, I lost the place. He says that, you know, we're trying to use all the tools of international law in order to rein them in, and they're, you know, violating all the laws. And so we've, you know, created agreements with other nations like Egypt and Italy uh, to cover ourselves, um, and that is what we've been doing. I mean, that demonstrates it. And we're open to conversation even with Turkey. But not if we're under pressure or being blackmailed. And he said that the thing is that what we have to look at is that there are international laws in place and there's maritime law that needs to be respected and not just demands. Okay, so that was pretty wow. And I've got more to show you guys. Um, 
Let me get to it. I've got way more to show you here, which is pretty interesting on Turkey. Um, so we've got Pompeo and Cavazoglu discussing to reduce the tensions in Greece. Um, this is from China. <laughs> <laughs> I always get to the sheet. You know, they actually talk about other uh, nations pretty well. Take a listen to what she says um, in this. This is with the Turkish prime minister. By the way, Kavosoglu uh, actually was texting Ilhan Omar in 2016 when she won um, her. Wait, no, was it in 2016 when she won? Um, when she, oh, when she came in and she was just like a local official in Minnesota, he texted her. And when she won in Congress, he was texting her and she took pictures and she goes to the Turkish embassy. I urge you to go look at my articles that I wrote on Loomer.com about Ilhan Omar. Oops. And this isn't playing. There we go. The U.S. Secretary of State says he recognizes the need to reduce tensions between Turkey and Greece over a territorial dispute in the Eastern Mediterranean. Mike Pompeo met with Turkish Foreign Minister Mevlut Cavusoglu in the Dominican Republic on Sunday. Cavusoglu said he explained Ankara's position on the matter. Tensions between the European neighbors have risen over the past two weeks after Ankara sent a survey vessel into the disputed territory. Turkey said the ship was deployed to search for oil and gas, and Greece responded by mobilizing naval units. The European Union has voiced solidarity with Greece, which is an EU member. EU member. I don't think I don't think Greece is going to be an EU rem member for long. I believe they're going to be saying something like um, rude and I, <laughs> to the European Union, like. Uh, you know, that's what they're just going to go. They're just going to be like, see ya, because they're not supporting them. Since 2018, these things have been escalating and they've let Turkey pretty much take over the Eastern Mediterranean. And the thing is, we've got, you know, um, Russia sitting in the Gulf there, hanging out in, in, in Syria, just watching this whole thing play out. And that's the cool part about it. Guys, they've got like a front row. They're sitting right there across from Cyprus, one of the biggest Russian naval bases just hanging out watching. And it's like, hello, Tur Russia is there the u.s is in volos right we've got all of it there we've got russia in the north russia in the south i mean man if i was erdogan i'd just be like all right we're just gonna lay off this muslim brotherhood thing and just chill but he's not he's all in and that's gonna be his downfall in the eastern mediterranean lies a growing source of conflict on Monday, Turkish warships entered territory that both Greece and Turkey claim as their own, escorting a ship carrying out seismic surveys on the seabed, searching for oil and gas. On Wednesday, Greece's Prime Minister issued a stark warning. In response to Turkey's deployment of its fleet, we have also put our armed forces on alert. I'm confident that all Greeks have the same absolute trust in the capabilities of our armed forces as I do. At the same time, though, we remain in absolute political and operational readiness. We are also mobilizing our diplomacy, notifying our friendly nations and alerting our allies and partners. We are not alone in this effort. One of those allies is France, who sent in two fighter jets and this naval warship to sail alongside Greek forces. 
But Turkey is ploughing ahead with plans to issue gas exploration and drilling licenses in the disputed region within weeks. This shows the exclusive economic zones of Greece, Turkey and Cyprus as defined by the United Nations. It accords Greece 71% of the... Wait, let me just say, so over here where you see the sign that says exclusive economic zones, that's like Libyan territory. So remember, the United Nations actually gave them exclusivity to Tripoli. So they have then been given a pass to just roam around here as they want to. Now, remember, <laughs> here's where this big Russian uh, naval base is hanging out, too. So I just wanted you guys to see the hot mess that has been happening. Remember, Turkey. Turkey is a NATO member, so is Greece, but Turkey is not an EU member, but Greece is. And so this is a hot mess because two NATO members now, well, they're going to war, like literally. And you see this passage here, right? This they're claiming is all theirs. They're just saying from here, the whole shelf is ours. I did a whole show on that, uh, you know, a year ago, uh, two years ago, uh, because I was warning, this is where the hot spot is. This is where it's all going to break down. Because from the beginning of time, this is where all the wars happen every single time. Now, remember, we are listening to Al Jazeera that is funded by Qatar. And Qatar is the other counterpart to Turkey. Because both Turkey and Qatar are in charge of Tripoli, which is the only UN-controlled zone. And recognized by the UN as literal Libya. Whereas the rest of Libya is what? Um, under the LNA, the Libyan National Army, headed by General Haftar. The Aegean Sea and Turkey, 8.8%. But this is how Turkey redraws the same map, claiming much of Greece's waters as its own. And this is the area where Turkey has started looking for oil, within its self-defined waters. But that infringes on Greece's maritime territory, according to the EU and the UN. Turkey did postpone exploration last month. So did you guys see on that map how the UN made it happen? So the UN gave them Libyan territory, which means now that now that Turkey um, has to patrol the waters of Libya, the UN, who has done all of this, right, uh, by nominating Qatar and Turkey for it, has given them that space right here that is violating everybody's waters. But let's not forget, Turkey's been drilling like right here that's not theirs and said, shut up. What do you know? It's ours. Like, don't talk. Shut up. What do you know? It's ours drilling here, drilling there. Casalotis. Come on, man. Like, this is all rubbish. This is the Muslim Brotherhood reporting for the other Muslim Brotherhood saying they're drilling here when they're over here. They're over here. I mean, we've talked about this before and I've got articles about it on Tory Says. Hopefully they'll be up again. Hopefully. Turkey did postpone exploration last month following a truce brokered by Germany. But when Athens signed a new maritime deal with Egypt last week, Ankara vowed to defend its interests in the region. Greece's attitude in the Aegean and the Mediterranean is malicious. We don't have designs on anyone's rights, but we won't let any country take away our rights. EU foreign ministers are hoping to resolve the standoff through dialogue at the emergency summit. This is such rubbish. How are they going to dialogue? Greece has been saying, hey, you know, Turkey is like on the shores of the beaches of uh, Cyprus drilling, saying it's theirs. Can you do something? Macron, stop it, Turkey. You're being bad. Can you stop? This has been going on for like over two years. Like, what are they going to do? 
Nothing. What are they going to do? Nothing. What have they done? Nothing. They're going to do nothing because this was exactly it. They want it to spark. And so we're being diplomatic because we can't show all our cards. That's the way it goes. You don't show all your cards. So, uh, you know, Libya is going to come into uh, the focus real quick. Greece stated that it is ready to sit on the table and discuss with Turkey and all relevant parties in the region as long as all the military uh, presence in the region is withdrawn. You cannot have uh, diplomatic discussions while you have naval vessels confronting each other into a very small geographic area. Although the two sides seem on a collision course, both say they share a desire for dialogue and diplomacy. Charlie Angela Al Jazeera. Beneath these, you know how we fix this real quick? We just defund the UN, right? And we're like, UN, you're the only ones giving Turkey rights and claiming that they can, you know, roam around here independently. Okay, so we don't acknowledge that because we don't fund you. You're rubbish and it's over. Like that could be something that we can actually look into doing uh, because this has gotten really out of control. This has been brewing for two years. We've been talking about it. It's uh, it's pretty insane that no one is um, going at it. And, and I'm pissed. I'm pissed because this is all at war and they're letting it happen. And this is why, you know, they're so upset that, that, that Russia is helping Syria and that, you know, they're not getting their way and that, uh, you know, Russia needs to stop helping Assad. If, if Russia wasn't there, this would have been full blown war already because Russia's just sitting there just watching popcorn and everything. They're like, yo, we're ready. So this is what's happening. We defund the UN uh, you know, most of these problems go away. A majority of the problems go away. Uh, the, the Democratic Party goes away. You know, AOC goes away. Soros goes away. We just need to defund the UN because the UN is also made up of our careers at the State Department that also need a good kick in the hiney uh, because the new delegation that we sent over to Afghanistan is riddled with clowns and that needs to go. So on that note, guys, I will be back. Uh, with the president's conference so we can analyze that and I'll be uploading this uh, video up to YouTube and next week I'm still fixing on the time of when I'll be doing my live news broadcast I hope that um, today I kept you up to speed with our national and international politics tomorrow is going to be pretty interesting with Iraq here uh, I, I can't wait so everybody go have lunch. Our president's going to be talking to us. We only have, we have less than three months to get him reelected. We need to make sure we get out and vote. Truth always prevails. And, you know, a lot is coming. And I can't wait to see what Rudy Giuliani has to say about Ukraine. That'll be kind of us. I mean, at the end of the day today, Kaylee uh, confirmed what we've been reporting exactly for months and what video reports Millie put out. So, Pretty good. So I'll see you guys later during the conference. Uh, God bless and see you later. Can you hear me? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me calling you? Can you hear me? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me calling you?